Well, hello, hello, or should I say aloha? I'm your host, Tristan, and we have a very special episode of Ordinary People, Extraordinary Stories. For today's episode, it's about an extremely powerful woman, simply known as Chris. And to give you a bit of a backstory, I was speaking with my friend Lorianne. She was the opera singer we did an episode on, uh, Figaro's and Arpeggio's, if uh, you're interested in checking it out. But she was telling me about this Hawaiian retreat she went on. Now, this wasn't any normal retreat. No, this was a spiritual getaway where she said not only was her body fed, but her very soul. And as she was describing this event, she brought up the woman behind it. That's Chris. Within the first few seconds, I just knew I had to have her on. She's a life coach, a ministry leader, and probably one of the most kindest human beings I've ever met. But it's not only what she does that is impressive, but how and why she does it that's truly astounding. For you see, Chris was diagnosed with stage 5 metastatic breast cancer. And I'll have to tell you, but that diagnosis comes with an end date. Nevertheless, she used this diagnosis to fuel many great projects, including the retreat itself. We get into the specifics on the episode about how she did it. But we also get in a bit of her backstory. We get to see the truly godly foundation that is this woman. Now, I have to warn you, there is a bit of a trigger warning. We talk about some hard things in here, like suicide, rape, and even cutting. And I warned you, but I do urge you to please keep listening, as I believe this episode has a lot of important topics and some amazing victories over these things. Now, with that said, grab your lay and grass skirt. Open your Bibles to Jeremiah 29.11 and get ready for another ordinary person with an extraordinary story. Hey guys, post-editing Tristan here. Uh, Sorry for yet another message for you, but I just thought I should let you guys know. So, there was a bit of a technical issue while recording this episode. Normally, I am able to split the audio, cut out all the junk, you don't hear everything, it sounds perfect. Not exactly this episode. It was put on one audio file, and unfortunately, you can hear everything. There's going to be some pops, there's going to be some clicks, you're going to hear my water bottle, and probably some other things too. But, nonetheless, this is a very important episode, and I strongly, strongly urge you to continue listening only because of the source material and the guest itself. This is an incredibly amazing and strong woman, and part of the reason why I submitted this episode is for that very same reason. People need to hear her. People need to hear her story. And I figured that even some clicks and some water bottles and some bangs are well worth it when you get to see the end goal. So without further ado, I'm Tristan, and here's Chris. Excellent. And I'm going to also turn you up in my headphones. Outstanding. Okay. 
All right, we're we're recording. Perfect. Yeah. So um, I I kind of like starting these things off with just like a like an easy conversation. Like we're just rambling, and then oh surprise, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> so okay. I. I asked you before, how was church? What was the message about? Uh, yeah, so ironically enough, um, today's service was about uh, God being mysterious and how we need freedom. And I think my biggest takeaway was that we're constantly a work in progress and God is constantly doing things in us. And if we don't allow him to continually pour into us, the things that life presents actually brings um an illusion that we're not filled with Christ, mm. you know, and then he had a demonstration of it. And it was really cool. He, it, it, I really enjoy when people speak from a practical level. Uh, yeah. It, it, Cause it makes the more sense. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh yeah, this is applicable. I can use this. And it's, it's like Ikea furniture. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, uh, what was the example? So what he did was he took a pitcher of water, a pitcher, and poured it in the cup. It wasn't full, but he poured it into the cup. And then he said, this is us being filled with the spirit. And then he took like hot sauce and started dropping it in when you're angry, right? Then he took like oil when you got, like he just put a lot of different stuff in it, um, demonstrating our our greed and our um, comparisons and things like this. And then you could see the water got cloudy, right? And he said, but if we're continually allowing God to pour into us through the Holy Spirit, then he took another pitcher of water and poured in it until the water went clear again. Hey. So for, for people that are not, Advent churchgoers and and faithful, you know, replenishing their mind and their spirit. It was really good, and he captured that, like the essence of what being a Christian really is. Because we do get debris from life, and um, if we're not re- renewing our our spirit, then it it could look more like the hurt, the pain, the anger, and the greed than God. Yeah, and sometimes like people have more hot sauce than water. Like it's yes. just hot sauce. It's hot sauce. Water down hot sauce. You're like, this doesn't even taste good. Like it's not. Yeah. Uh, it's well, no, and it's funny you even mention about like it's ironic because like I think God, in a sense of your like knowledge, Him, like there is no such thing as ironic with God. It's like, bro, like that. I did that for a reason. Like mm-hmm. it's it's. I, <laughs> Well, no, that's uh, and that's amazing. I um, I think I'm actually just gonna jump into the intro. Uh, hi guys, uh, welcome to a fantastic episode of Ordinary People Extraordinary Stories. This is my friend Chris. So, say hi, Chris. Hi, Tristan. Hi, everyone. Uh, can I can I say friend even though I just like met you? Is that? I think cool? friend is an appropriate. Good company. Yeah, I can, I can, I can vibe with that. That's great. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I very easy audience, and I'm not gonna do this a lot, Chris, just because I, I, I like this kind of be like an R thing, and people just happen to be listening. But uh, no, it, I when I found your story, I usually give like a brief intro, like how I knew the person. Okay. I then asked them to come on the cast. For you, it was literally one person. Uh, for ad, uh, avid listeners, the uh, opera episode, Lorianne, yeah. her. She told me about this uh, Hawaiian trip she was going on, like this two week retreat. And first off, it's like two weeks in Hawaii. That's amazing. Well, it was only she went twice. That's what made it two weeks. (laughs) Still, it was she was like she loved it. It was great. She said it was not like 
not only like nourishing, like just like, oh my gosh, this is just peaceful and it looks nice, like the vacation vibe, but her spirit, her soul, she's like, bro, I don't feel tired after that vacation. I just feel like just so pitcher of water energy. And then I was like, okay, that's cool. So who's the woman behind it? And I knew a little bit about you and she told more about you. And by like the third thing, I'm like, oh my God, this sounds like an amazing woman. Will she do my cast? And I was like, I don't know if I'm cool enough. She might be like, I'm a little busy, but you're you're here. You're here. Yeah, so. and I'm never too busy to share the goodness of God with anyone. And you know, I uh, and that's why I also did this cast is because I feel like it's almost my Christianly duty to like showcase, like, hey, you want to see what God made? Here you go. And it's uh, and everyone's story is different. It's it's even funny how you mentioned about the picture analogy because. I feel like nowadays God is so just people feel like they don't need him. They need him more than ever, but it's like, it's, or even just spirituality in general. They're just like, you know what? I don't want to subscribe to this aspect of life. Cause it doesn't even have to necessarily be God. It can be like, again, some people do nature, but it's like the idea of what's bigger than you and how people are just missing that very important aspect of life. It's, um, it blows my mind it's it's heartbreaking actually it's heartbreaking right if we're honest because it's actually the the marrow of life that you're missing out on it it actually sustains everything else when you acknowledge that there is something bigger than you at play moving all the pieces not just your piece right so it turns it from checkers to check very quickly Did, did you say that in a youtube video I feel like I might have. I might have. (laughs) That's awesome. I okay. I um. So yeah, that's this is Chris. Uh, there's so much about your story we can just get into, but like I'm I'm thinking three ways. Easy. We could talk about how you you know God because I feel like every I think any person's journey about how they found God is like how how that because it's always almost always like wow that's super cool. Yeah. Just talk more about just like your background or like kind of, you know, who you are. It's I'm going to let you just take the reins and I'll ask a bunch of weird other questions. Okay. So I'm totally down with weird questions. I have a 14 year old and he asks weird questions all the time. Keeps me on my game. (laughs) Hey, you know what? It keeps you sharp. It does. That's, I put my mom to work when I was 14. I'm like, ma, you're going to like you can't you can't just give me half answers you're on all the time all the time i don't back down from a challenge well okay um, there's a story right there you have a 14 year old i will say you look very young i was gonna say easily easily like what 31 32 i'm 42 years old bro <laughs> bro that's i'm just it don't crack that's all i'm saying it like it, it yeah even sick it doesn't crack <laughs> Well, okay, now I have to figure out, is that just a genetic thing or is that like a God thing? Like you got a lot of I water think, in your picture. And yeah, just... um, I do think that it is a God thing. God has been so good to me that I don't look like what I've been through. I don't look like what I'm going through right now. And to the point of having a 14-year-old son and what he puts me through. Um, <laughs> I, I have gray hairs, but right now I'm bald. You can barely you see that. You can't even tell. <laughs> like, honestly, I want to I want to say like 28, 29, but I'm like, nah, you look like, you look like you, you kind of, you've seen the world a bit and yeah. it ain't all sunshine and rainbows. Well, okay. So you've been hinted that. I'd say what is, 
what you're going through right now or like what's what's a it's yeah, a big thing for you. Absolutely. So I think that what I'm going through, and this is going to lean more towards your, my relationship with God curiosity is that I'm going through life at probably the most integral part that shows God's glory in a big way, because I got diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer right before I turned like 40 or 41. And oh, um, wow. yeah. And so my relationship with God began to take a different shape, look look different than what it looked traditionally for Chris. And for me before, what it was like was like uh, running small groups and constantly doing, and, and I say small groups, but I, I, would, I was dedicated to taking women on a year-long journey with God, intentionally meeting with them every week, eating, sharing a meal together, doing a Bible study and talking about real life stuff that the pastor won't talk to you about from the pulpit. Right. And um, I'm just so tired of that. <laughs> and, and, and really chunk away at d- daily things that, that tackle us. But um, most recently in being diagnosed, I had to, well, I chose to ask God the tough questions and, and invite him to give me real Job answers, you know, and, and really pull back the scales of my eyes so that I could see who he really and truly is so that I could be who he really and truly designed me to be. And no, and dude, you just said like some of the most, like, I'm like, just pearls of wisdom answers. I'm like that right there, right there. And You mentioned that it was such a integral or like such a pivot point as far as your like your diagnosis because I just turned thirty, so that's that's why I'm 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 thirty, so uh, you know about ten twelve years you're minor, but that felt like such a kind of okay I'm getting older I'm not twenty anymore like this is if anything this is the year where it's like okay now we're really off to the races, but forty. And I'm just going to spoil it for people, for people who haven't, like, don't know you at all, who maybe will go to your YouTube channel at because they're curious, like your introduction, I, I wrote questions about it, you saw it about it, was so just, like, you spoke to my heart, you were just like, like, you were just like, you know me, and I didn't know you, like, yes, yes, yes. And that was before the diagnosis. So, well, first, okay, I'm sorry. I know I prepped that answer with my question. Here's my question, but I want to get to this question. As far as like the cancer, what stage is it? And like- four. Stage four. So once cancer metastasizes, they bump you up to stage four immediately because okay. it's done. It's done its own work, so to speak. Yeah, and so it also comes with, um, unfortunately, a death sentence. Yeah, which uh, I mean. I, I have no easy way to ask this. How did they give you a rough estimate of how much? Yeah, and I'm kicking its butt daily. Um, yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> you look at the Grim Reaper like round two. Bro, come on. Like, let's, I'm ready. So I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to share this with you. Okay. Um, so when the doctor told me, I give you six months best, I said, that's not acceptable to me because I have a son and I need to see him graduate high school, right? I, I put in all this work I need to see <laughs> I want to reap the harvest 
Absolutely. And she said two years max. And as soon as she said that, God told me, I gave you stage five. And I didn't know what it meant. I immediately texted my sister and said, buy me a plane ticket. And I went home. And this is the piece that I think people need to get is that God's always calling us home. Every day that we live, God's calling us home. He's saying, good work, my faithful, dedicated servant. This is not your forever home, you know? And while I was at my sister's house and uh, Lorianne and Tish drove me to the airport, they saw what I looked like when I left. And then they picked me up and saw what I looked like when I came back. And it was almost like two, two different people. And I'm going to tell you what happened in the process, because there's always a process. I serve a good God. He's a God of process. And the process that happened is my body was in pain. My mind was battling the idea of is six months all I have? And what do I want to do with that? Which and then- just sidebar, I hate to interrupt you. That's such a thought to be like, okay, now I have a finite amount of time to get so many things I want to get done. Were you scared? Were you like, was your heart racing? I mean, like, <laughs> Well, I think where the fear tried to creep in is that what I know God called me to and called me for was now being challenged. And that was the biggest slice of cake, right? Like if the more you get to be friends with me, the more you know I use cake as analogies because I'm a dessert girl. Coke, Coke, wait, cake, like, 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 birthday cake, like, cake, birthday, cake, 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 that's my jam, yeah. right, um, and so the, the thing is that when I went home, God, God reminded me of when I was pregnant with my son, and when I was pregnant with my son, I had already had some abortions in the bank, you know, I already had some oh. bad relationships in the bank. And God tells me very clearly, like, do you remember when you were pregnant with your son? And I told you, you don't throw this one back. This one you keep. Mm. And I said, that was a promise, right? God promised me that I would never be hungry. I would never be without a home. I would never be without money. I would be able to bring this child that he's given me to a place where God wants him to be. So if that's God's plan for me, then that means that I must be able to see it, right? Yeah. And so and I, mean, I will, clearly, and clearly, I will not be like other people in the Bible that God told them the promise and then they laughed at God and then they didn't get the promise. I want the promise. I'm standing for the promise. And so as I stood daily in the promise of God, or I should say lay because I was immobile, <laughs> I could yes. barely move, right? Yes. But one one night, Satan met me there. Satan met me in my mess, in my fear, in my disbelief, right? Because I believe in God, but there's a there was a part of unbelief. And that's where Satan met me. And he said, I am going to take all of your faith and then I will kill you. And was this when you had your boy or this was when you went back oh, home with when the I diagnosis. went back home with a diagnosis? Okay. So I'm laying in my sister's family room on her pullout couch because I can't go anywhere. It's the, it's the easiest thing for me to get around everywhere. And that's, he kept taunting me, right? He kept showing up in glimpses in the day. And I kept saying to my family, do you see this thing moving in the room? There's something else in the room. And on this, this particular night, when he met me and had all these words to say, I was, I was throwing up and I, I just told my mom, like, get the Bible, play worship music. That's all I knew to do. 
And every time a song would come up that talked about love, that talked about covenant, that talked about community, that talked about God's faithfulness, my body would convulse and do the most violent vomiting experience that I ever had. I was expecting a completely different answer. I thought it was like, I was the best. Oh, that sounds awful. I'm sorry for laughing, but wow, it sucks. Right? (laughs) And so I started beginning to see a trend in the response of my body. And so I, it was about a four or five hour experience, right? And- Say less. Right. And so I got to this point where I said, okay, enough. Enough. I'm done throwing up. Take the trash can away. God heard the prayer. God heard the songs. I hear you. Love, covenant, community, family, unconditional, right? I hear it. And immediately uh, I was able to lay down and go to sleep. Oh, thank God. Praise him. Praise, praise him. All praise Jesus. Praise. You could go to sleep. Thank yes. you. <laughs> and then I woke up the next day with a renewed confidence that if the devil was bold enough to tell me his hands, then I'm bold enough to defeat you. Because I fight not against flesh and blood, right? Mm. But it's a spiritual warfare now. And you showed me your hands. So I know I'm not just fighting physically for my life. I'm fighting for my sister, I'm fighting for my niece, my brother-in-law, my mom, my unsaved dad, right? Like now you you're fighting me. exactly for all the unsaved people you haven't yeah. got to meet yet because mm-hmm. you're going to just convert masses. <laughs> you are yes. a threat. Absolutely. Yes. I am a threat. I, when I, as soon as I wake up in the morning and acknowledge God, Satan is on notice. That's yeah, that that's. Have you ever read uh, the Screw Tape Diaries? No. I know it sounds you're like, what is that mess? It, it's uh, so it's C.S. Lewis, uh, the guy oh. who wrote uh, Chronicles Narnia. It's letters from one demon to another, talking about trying. Okay, you never get to read the nephews. That's the person that the uncle's writing to. You never get to read his answer his questions you just get to read the uncle's replies to the letter before and their demons talking about trying to convert or lead astray the christians or people he's like people are stupid get them drunk put them around bad situations like you know make them question like it in a way just like you said it shows the devil's hand it's like they're like, okay, no, we need to seriously be serious about taking people's souls. And like, this is, you know, we can't let them get these things. And it's like, if you kind of know when someone's getting really that desperate or the measures they're going to go to change you, gives you a sense of boost of like, oh, dang, I'm Rambo in this story. I'm Moses. Right. I'm yeah. Peter. I'm Paul. I'm just like, like, let's go. Like, chair, chair to Satan, just bruise. Oh my gosh, the, the humanity. Like, just, I, yeah, I, Sorry, every time I, I think about a reference, I go to wrestling. I'm just like, okay, and put a steel chair on it and just, bah, it's just yeah. I think that's WWF though, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. abs- yeah, absolutely. You couldn't see I had an imaginary belt over my head. Yes. I didn't see it, but an I get attitude it. Attitude era boy. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I think to your point though, here's the thing, right? The, the alcohol, the, 
the the temptations of the world that seem like oh it creates a good time right it creates a a happy sin city for you so to speak right um when we look at that because i used to be an alcoholic right like the reality is i lived in a in a broken home um growing up and in my dad's house we were allowed to drink and i took advantage oh. of that and i took advantage of it like no one's business because it it numbed everything I was able to go through life so numb um, as a teenager of divorced parents. And there was a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness, a lot of awful things, right? I was raped at yeah. 15. Like I was just, I was Wait, the epitome. Jesus. Wow. Okay. Like the devil knew my calling and decided he needed to start early because there's no way at some point that he would be able to get me. And so he started early. He started me with, being a person that my parents, I'm their sandpaper, right? I'm constantly rubbing them and trying to sand them down to be who God wants. And they're like, I am who I am. You can't talk to me like this, right? Very authoritative. And I'm like, why can't we just talk about this? Why can't we be a people that have a conversation, right? And I was raised Southern Baptist, right? And I love my pastor, and I will give honor to him, um, he passed away, but he was a good man because he saw who I was and he didn't silence me. He was like, maybe don't say it now. <laughs> There's a time, but it must be said. Hey, there you go. And when I got saved, I didn't understand that there was a difference between being saved and then walking out the mess that my life was and asking God to can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So I was about 12 or 13 and I got saved, right? I was already okay. angry because my parents got divorced and we moved from Brooklyn to Long Island, right? Oh, wow. I wasn't able to make friends because I was just... Go back I was, and forth. Yeah, I was just a... I was a rebel. <laughs> you had to be. I had to be. And so when I was being taught about who God is, there was a type of person that you had to be. And that was my sister, right? You followed the rules. People loved you. Oh, so you, you were, you said you were the rebel, way. but I understand you were the hellion and she was the perfect angel that could do no wrong. And yes. Okay. And, and even in her doing wrong, there was still this angelic piece about her that she never signed up for, but because I was the hell raiser, she was the angel. Right. And right. And so it gave, it gave perspective. And so in my, in my giving my life to Christ and being dunked in that water and getting baptized and coming up with the fire of the Holy Spirit, because I came up speaking in tongues and so grateful that I would have this intimate relationship with someone I could call dad, because I didn't want to call my dad, dad, and then all these things. But as I became more entangled with God, I, I began to realize that my rebellion had to look different. It couldn't be with this bitterness tinge. It couldn't be with this anger tinge. I needed to to lean into God's grace because that's that's who I was in the moment, but that's not who I was going to be forever. Mm, okay, and I that's amazing. And I, it sounds like even so, you were saved even before all those horrific moments, though. Which I mean, I can only imagine is that how you ultimately got through them? Because that doesn't sound easy. But... Um, I would say that's actually how I did not get through them. I left the presence of God because I was so self-righteous. 
honestly, right? Like I had, I had been part of building a youth church at my church before youth churches are what they are now, where they're pretty with flyers and bring your kids and like, right? You know, I, we I got really soda and we right, and games and we're cool yeah, and yeah, Jesus, yeah. We just had a basement and some folding chairs and a pastor that was willing to let these kids that sang kind of on key, kind of off key, sing and and read Bible scriptures and and try to find our way right? Like I was raised in the best church to be able to find who God was. But I was also raised in the worst church because we don't talk about race. We don't talk about broken homes. We don't talk about hurt feelings. We don't talk about those things, but we're hurting your feelings and we're watching your home be broken, but we don't talk about it, right? It's kind of like, we don't talk about Bruno, right? (laughs) But if we talked about Bruno then I would have never been an alcoholic, but then I would never be able to connect to someone who's struggling with an addiction. That's true. Right. Addiction, struggling with the rape, struggling with addiction, struggling with cancer. Right. But that's all. Okay. So, I mean, that's, I guess I really want to know, I hear about this angry person, this rebel. When did just like, you felt like the grace, there was that turning point of like, you know, like, give it to jesus he's all good the forgiveness came easy i mean like i did did did, like you said it's a constant work in progress it was like one day i just stopped getting angry at people and i forgave them a bunch (laughs) um i still get angry at people and i still don't forgive a bunch Um, let's just be transparent on that (laughs) Um, that's why we follow jesus because we're works in progress yes i'm a work in progress and i understand that my anger releases toxins in my body that feed the cancer. So I am working on that, right? And the truth is, if I didn't get cancer, get the diagnosis of cancer, then I would have never known that some of my ha- habits to deal with hurts and hangups were actually the things that was killing me. Mm. Which I can imagine you must have had a lot of like, just trauma and just like past memories. It's just like, I can't forget this for a variety of reasons it was horrible it's not right it's i i'm not gonna i mean i have my own trauma that it took me a while to like let go and forgive and by the grace of god jesus hardcore like hardcore just makes it easy like oh he forgives everybody okay sure all right just sure i mean there's a difference of course between like you know like some abusive person walking over you and not having boundaries and stuff like that but i mean it's it's the easiest and hardest thing to do is just to forgive somebody like that. I think when you put forgiveness in its perspective and make it the right side of the problem or the solution, that is when it becomes easy, right? So when I put the anger in its right size, instead of it being a hula hoop, it became a Cheerio. Mm. And then I was able to forgive. And then I also have to acknowledge the fact that I don't forgive people so that they are forgiven. I forgive people so that I'm, because I'm forgiven. Exactly. It's like, right? hey, God doesn't hold any debt on me. Why should I hold debt on others? But again, just to be clear, because that is something that, again, you mentioned old school church, old school religion. We don't talk about Bruno. We do not talk about trauma in the household or in the church or in your job or in your community or in your government. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, We just put a newspaper on it. We forget about it. It's just like, it's not there. And 
that point, I think, is so poignant because you asked, how did I get back to God? How did I find my way back? And and it was me finding my way back because God was there the whole time. He was there in the room when I got raped. He was there in the in the hurt that I felt. He was there in the judgment of my classmates. He was there in the in the um, judgment of my church. You know, everything. God was there. And even though he was there, I didn't want to hear him. Even when I got pregnant, I was not married. I was living this janky lifestyle that was not according to God's will. God said, hey, I'm talking to you. And he kept talking until it was so loud. I had no choice but to say, I hear you. <laughs> how many how many ironic situations have to throw at your freaking stubborn mm-hmm. head before you're like, fine, I see right. you. I it's- get it. I hear you. And I accept that you are calling me. And this is, I think, for new believers, that is a struggle is that there's no Christian that ever was just a Christian the whole time and never struggled with doubt, never struggled with their past, never struggled with God, you still love me, even though we've just gotten to a point where we accept God loves me, even though that's that spiritual maturity. We're like, okay, I kind of and I'm still learning it myself. I have the best low self-esteem. I seem all confident and fun and ah, oh, dude, I'm big sad boy. But, but, that's right. Like you mentioned, Paul did some serious heavy lifting for the church. Used to straight kill Christians, like stone them to death for fun. And God's that's like, that. hey, want to work on my team? Well, he didn't say it like that. He just blinded him, and then he said, yo, hey. You want your eyesight back? You got to start saving some souls. It's uh, well, okay. I oh, hold on. I have to say something to that, please, right? Please, please. Because that's a cost. And what Christians today in Western society doesn't understand that there is a cost. When you say you're a Christian, you have to pay a cost, right? God gave Paul new eyesight, new vision. He didn't just restore it back to what it was before. You are going to see through God's eyes. And I think your perspective shifts. So there was no desire to kill for the sake of killing, right? Because we kill ourselves every day by the way we talk, what we watch, what we eat, what we do, right? We drink. Right. And God says, hey, let me give you a new way. A a new way. Amen. Every step of that transformation comes from the new way. Let me remove the scales from your eyes in a new way. The the hardness of your heart in a new way. Yeah, he hurt you. Yeah, he said this. Yeah, you did things that I'm not proud of. But I still love you. And I love you my way all the time in every way. The perfect way. Mm-hmm. His way. Just like you said, yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to ask a really hard question. Okay. And just I'm just going to shoot from the hip like. I know a couple of people. Grant, I'm I think I'm I'm bringing this question up for the people who I don't think would listen to this but really need to listen to this. How can you say God's with you in those horrible moments? I mean, you're are you say you, you can't possibly be saying that during, but I mean like just could you elaborate on that? I can say that during now. Every horrible moment that I go through even now, I can say it as the horrible moment is happening. And I'm going to tell you this. This is the way that I explain it to my son who proclaims to be an atheist. (laughs) Oh, you got one of those. Yeah, he proclaims to be an atheist. And this is exactly how I break it down. 
So I know my life very personally because I lived it, right? And I know that I'm still alive. There has to be a God because it's a miracle for someone to be raped, be shunned, be the type of alcoholic that I was, um, have been homeless, have been in abusive relationships, have been just everything. My belief is one, there has to be a God, something bigger than me, working a better plan than me, because every time I share my story, there's still laughter. There's still joy. I'm talking to you with no tears in my eyes. There's a conviction in my spirit that I am loved far beyond my own comprehension. Wow. Wow. Powerful. And so that the secret, that's the secret then. The secret is that, well, you can't rationalize it because you just explained it. You have to, it's bigger than you. It doesn't make sense. It's weird. It's like, why did it have to go to these places? But I mean, I also think you kind of touched on the beginning. It's like the devil's, he's, he sucks. People have free will and the devil is dirty and puts you in bad, nasty situations. And it really looks like it's because he wants to undermine maybe the power, the real power you have, the power that you could be saving millions, billions, just a lot of people. And he wants to get you as far away as possible. And that kind of gives a new perspective on I, the junk I see people go through. I'm like, man, if we could just help you get you through that, get you in touch with God or just whatever you need to get through that. Like there's, I don't know, you have the strength in you that you don't even know because the devil keeps putting all this garbage on top of you and saying, look how awful and crappy and terrible this life is. And you refuse to say, you're like, no, absolutely not. I'm better. I'm bigger because of him. Right. And I think. Honestly, when, when we do true discipleship, when you truly love someone in and out of every season, and this is why I did year-long Bible studies, because if you can do something for a year with someone, you could probably be really good friends with them. Mm. Yeah, that's right? true. Because you get the holidays, you get the days that make them sad, you get their birthday, you get the things that make them happy, and you get to really get a really good snapshot of someone and say, oh, I really dig you as a human. I see your humanness in all of this, right? Most of the time, as soon as someone says to us, I don't like this about you, or this is something that you did that offended me, or when you do this, I feel this, these are, these are game changers in relationships if you stay and talk it out, right? Most of us get too afraid to get real enough, long enough to say, hey, I know you were offended by what I said, but did you pray about it? Did you ask God why, why this became an offense for you? Who am I reminding you of? What unresolved trauma do you have? Can we honestly sit and talk about this? Because I didn't start the trigger. I just pulled it right? And so please don't make me swallow the bullets that I didn't intend for you. Mm, man, that ouch. Oh, that's, that's deep because I was like, oh, you don't even know me like that. Shut up, Chris. <laughs> you know the trauma I go through? What the hell? But I want to love you through your trauma, right? I want to love you. I want to love you when you think you are the most unlovable. That's when I want you to pull up to my house and say, hey, let's let's eat. Hey, let's, let's, you got tissue? Cause I got tissue, you know, and let's, let's do the it. tough stuff. 
because the tough stuff is what saves you. It, it's absolutely because well, because that's the funny thing because it could either break you or make you. And <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you if you're still here to tell the story, it didn't break you. Hey, and and honestly, even if you're not, like that's the whole reason why I'm okay. Like. I don't want to be morbid. I heard the diagnosis. I thought, oh my sweet God, she's not going to be here for very long. And can I just maybe just show him a little bit me? Yeah. There's a guy named Jamel. It uh, goes by the name of Jamezi. He was this ridiculously cool dude that I knew from. I don't know if this is your time, but uh, Farrell's Ice Cream Parlor. You ever mess with it? You ever dealt with it? I know you were an East Coast kid, but you never saw it during the West Coast? No. It is people dress up like carnival carnival barkers, like, you know, like little bow ties and vests and little top hats here. And they sing and throw ice cream at your face. Have you ever um Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Not not that kind of girl. Oh, okay. okay, I'm, I'm a <laughs> I'll try. But we're friends, so I will watch that now, and we can talk about it Ma again. <laughs> maybe I don't want to be like the. Why did you recommend it? It was awful. I mean, it's it's fun. It's a really fun movie. Regardless, Farrell's is like this restaurant where it's like it's it's a zoo. It's like a big party for kids. Like they just throw ice cream at everybody. They sing songs about you. They get on the tables. Uh, they have an item called the the zoo. It's like fifty scoops of ice cream in a giant bowl, and they carry it out on a stretcher. And they have sirens. And it's just, it's a big party. Kids love it. You get a free ice cream on your birthday. It's just, it's nuts. I was there as a server. So that kind of gives you the idea of me. I'm, I love that job. I was silly. I was kicking over plates. I was just like, woo. They're like, this is the best ever. Here's $50. I'm like, I'm just, just having fun. Thank you. Appreciate it. He was a dishwasher. I got to know him. He's a really big dude. Found out he was a... Old, he was a rapper back in, I think, like the 90s, early 2000s. So I heard some of his songs. He had bars. He was a family man. And now he's in a rap rock metal band called Diversity of One. Nice. He's a big, he's a big, uh, big brother, big black dude. I, uh, I don't give a pre Is it African-American for you or black? I know everyone's got a little taste for it. I don't have a taste for either of it. I am a woman. That's the best, better answer. That's a better answer. Regardless, though is that I didn't see a big black dude. I just saw a really cool human being that over the nights, I would help him put dishes away. And we just, like you said, we'd get to talk. We'd have maybe not a whole year, but at least a couple of months where I got to know the guy and found out how amazing he was. Now he's in a, well, he was in a rap rock metal group called Diversity of One. Shout out to them if they're listening. And their whole speech was awesome. It was, it was like, it was just it was metal and was, it was, it was went hard. But like the message was all just like, hey, we are of same being. We're all human. We're all like, we like come together kind of stuff. And he passed away maybe a month or two ago. And I was just talking to the guy and he spoke such truth and beauty in my life that I have to believe it came from God. Because granted, there was a couple of swears and some dirty bits here and there too. But I got the message of he's like, hey, you're worthy. You're meant for big things. And I, I wanted to have him on here. I was just thinking about it, and he's gone. And I love. I can say honestly, I love that guy, and I hate that I can't tell him that anymore. So when that happened, and I heard your story, my heart was immediately like, I need to know this woman. Mm -hmm. I can hope and pray, 
And I think that whatever is going to happen to you, you're going to have a big splash. And I can only help this episode makes a bigger splash too. Because I know, not even just women, people who are hurting, that are really just listening to the lies in their heart. And we just save one, help one of them out though. We did it. We did it. We did We're it. doing it. And I think... I want to honor your friends. I think that... Um, Thanks for letting me share. I know that was a long yeah. one, but like, shout out to Jamezi. Yeah, Jamezi, exactly. And I, and I, and I, um, I thank God for the gift that he, he is, right? Because that gift that he gave you will forever resonate in your heart. And people that you meet, you will continue to share a piece of him. So he, though he's gone in his body, he's still forever with you. Oh, he was such a cool dude. He had a... He just had a baby maybe like a year ago. He's survived a, a daughter. Don't know too much about her, but like I would see he'd bring his sons to the concerts and he'd hang headbang with the crowd and everyone's just like, this is so cool. And it's just, it was, ah, oh, man, just sorry. I'm just, I'm getting all emotional just thinking about the guy. You're having a human experience. I should have called the podcast that if, if Opes was taken, I would have called it the human experience. So it would just been the same thing of just us having super fun, deep conversations like this. All oh, right. your camera didn't go back on. Uh, I'm going to turn on this. Okay, so no as far as the, uh, the cheesecake goes, like uh, what's <laughs> sometimes I do find like the simpler, the better, but what kind yes. of berries are on top of it? Um, blackberry, strawberry, and blueberry. Ooh, I can go. Can I see uh, a picture? Can you oh, like I a little, I ate the berries off already. <laughs> Fudge, it, man, that actually sounds. That's what exactly what I'm talking about. All you need is just a little, little bit of berry, a little, you know. Yeah. And then it just, oof. What what was Tupac say? Black of the berries, sweeter the juice. Oh yeah. Something deeper the roots. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no. Yes. Because yeah, you were a SoCal kid, right? No, I'm actually a New Yorker. <laughs> oh, New York state of mind. Yes, I'm a so... Billy Joel grown born and raised kind of brooklyn i so we were born in brooklyn mm -hmm. lived there until about third grade and then um moved to long island long and was island. long island where long all island. the girls married the guys they go to school with and stay in the same town forget about it exactly <laughs> you <know>? yo data <laughs> yep 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 i went to school with all of them <laughs> So if anything, you had that little, like, again, that little, little New York, again, New York state of mind. It's just, you know, let's uh -huh. forget about it. Do I low key sound like I could East Coast pretty, pretty well? Yes. You could probably either do further up north, mm, like okay. New Hampshire, Connecticut New Hampshire. type area. area. Mm -hmm. Connecticut. Probably more Connecticut. I, I'm feeling that vibe for you too. Cool. But I also like feel people. like you could have been a DC dude. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. Chappelle's from DC. I, I love and I love that guy. He's yeah. like a, I definitely get a um a DC feel from you, like Baltimore, Maryland, Silver Springs area. Mm -hmm. Uh Cali kid, not even the fun Cali, North uh NorCal, uh so Sacramento. So you don't know too much about the whole I mean, you lived in LA. So like Sacramento's like the armpit of California. It's just mm -hmm. like it's it's not farmland. It's not the bay. It's got a river, but it's kind of dirty. But like we kind of becoming a thing now, like all the bay people are just moving to sack. So like it's becoming the new San Francisco because people can afford it here. But mm. it's then pushing out all the poor 
farm hands and military families and like it's man like it's so weird like just to get get the kind of explain it politically it's like one side's blue lives matter and the other side's a cab and then there's also a very large population of people in the middle and that's their sack for you that that sounds like jersey oh okay i'm learning it's just people have pockets like that everywhere it's just like Mm -hmm. yeah we're just you know people can't make up their minds here now in portland so now i'm a i'm a hippie leftist liberal bleeding heart and i that's all accurate i'm i'm down i think that's where we should all get to at some point right since jesus was a liberal i think it was both i think he was a liberal well he wasn't conservative he's conservative in the white right way i have this thing where i think jesus is kind of a punk he's got punk rock elements because he 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 said the hard stuff and he did the and uh he did the hard things and uh ah man it's just that's the cool thing about jesus he's a little bit everything yeah he is he's he, he's a melting pot in 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 himself it's oh man we can see that's this is rough because we can this is something we can talk about i have a pre thing to talk about before the main thing i wanted to talk about okay so i would just saw 50 50 the other day you ever see that movie Mm-mm. it's interesting if you want to see like a well, you're experiencing it, but like a cancer journey in an hour and 30 minutes. Joseph Gordon, Le- okay, do you know that guy? Okay, I'm just going to stop naming people. Basically, really handsome guy finds out he's got like, bro, you got potentially eight to 12 months to live. Gets advanced chemo. Uh, his stoner best friend like doesn't, you know doesn't know how to handle it but then he found out he's be doing he's reading the books and finding out all about like what's going on with his buddy's journey but i i guess i'm long way explaining they did a lot of pot in there because of the cancer because that's what gave him the appetite are is that something you is that the guy from i think i saw this is that the guy from um third rock from the sun is that the the one of the boys all grown up yep that's I him. know that movie. Yeah, That's I him. watched that before I got sick. So <laughs> a- accurate. I mean, it was uh, kind of a little, little weird, a little, you know. It was. I, know. I, I think I enjoy. Well, my son is a movie maker, so I enjoy the way stories are told, okay. and um, the more intimate I get with God, the the beauty of storytelling becomes more and more fascinating to me. Excuse me. I love that because I never thought of that. My because it, it's true. Because what do they call the Bible? The greatest story ever told. It's like it's it's got good elements, got good thematic themes in there. It's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> but so okay, we'll back to the question because I mean, do you have a loss of appetite with the chemo? Yeah, I do. Um, I have a loss of everything: hair, teeth, appetite. I don't even get thirsty. Didn't even notice. Like you could have fooled me on that one. I uh, well, do you? I guess are you four twenty friendly? Or do you not partake in the? I am four twenty friendly, and I will tell you, I have not because my brother in law. So, and remember, we were talking about how I had this experience with the devil. Okay. Um. So I understand. For me, specific certain substances give access to the devil in my life, right? And so, my brother in law, because I was in so much pain. He is definitely four two four, whatever the phrase is. He's friendly. He 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 enjoys it. He like he he understands the goodness of it. And so he was trying to get me to take different oils from it and things like that to help with the pain. 
And on the third day, and if you know me, I love the third day. I think there's something so poetic about it. Um, Right. Yeah. And so the third time that I tried it, um, it's when the devil met me there and I was like, I'm good on that. (laughs) Oh, that's, that sucks. Trying to have some fun. The devil's like, suck. You're like, oh, (laughs) damn it. I just want to relax. I just wanted to chill. So like the first time I tried it, I, I tripped out and I was like, smelling the room like it was a Willy Wonka chocolate factory, you know? Ooh, yikes. Um, and the second time, there was nothing. So we were like, okay, let's try it again. Um, that third time, though, I don't know how many times you need the devil to show up in your life before you're like, eh, I'm not giving you access, dude. Like, I'm, you're evicted. You know? <laughs> Personally, I think I'm a casual offender. Like, I just, I I sometimes need a lot of dumb, like, hey, what, what are we doing in this mess again kind of thing. I mean, I think we're, we're, as humans, we are repeat offenders, right? Of something, yeah. right? There's a repeat offense, right? Like, so I, with my son, I'm the repeat offender of asking too many questions. Mm. Like the desire to is that know. such a thing? It is, is that... right? Because cause I do think so. Because I think that there are some things that God keeps trying to tell us, do you need the answer to that? Mm. Is that going to enhance your life? Mm. How is that going to make you better for knowing? God, that's, I want to, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to hope I'm going to remember that. That's, that's deep. It's like, because I, and and man, back to the storytelling, man, like how many stories where it's like finding the truth at the end of the story, like that really help you. I naturally I'm thinking is Oedipus, you know about that? Mm, I know. You don't, I'm not, I don't think I should divulge into it. Do you want to know? Okay. Bring it. Let's go. All right, so it's about a king that finds out that the woman he's uh, married to could potentially be his mom and that he might have ended up killing his dad. And as the story finds out, it's true. And because he had to know, where did I come from? I had adoptive parents. Like, because the whole point was the king essentially went to like the oracle and the oracle said, your son's going to kill you and he's going to you know, bang your wife. And they're like, oh, that's awful. I'm going to kill my son, but he doesn't. He sends someone else to do it. And what happens in the Bible when the person's supposed to do something, they don't end up doing it. They make a Moses. He gets raised by farmhands, comes back like, hey, how's it going? And he kills his dad because they were like just having like a yelling match in like a crossroads. It's like they cut each other off. And he's like, watch where you're going. Shut up, old man. And he won the road rage argument and then come to find out that's how he became a king and yeah gross right. he didn't need to know that so, but, but, and, and that's the thing right so like and i lost a lot of friends around this right because i know god told me he has stage five right so okay it's human curiosity is like oh what does that mean i don't care what that means that might mean heaven right? I don't care what it means. It just means God's in control. Is what he's telling me is he's in control. I, I am mildly curious because I kind of want to know what is stage five because like it's a trading card company. That's I typed <laughs> it in Google. said trading core. So there you go. That's bro. You're going to start a business. Congrats. And I think I, I have in the midst of this, but I think the the beauty of the unknown, right? Like if you say you serve God and you're here for the opportunity of being a Christian, that means accepting the mystery. 
back to what you were saying. You said sometimes God's like, do you, you don't need to know the answer. Do you really want to know? I sometimes feel like God's like, bro, not yet. Not You'll yet. Know. Not just yet. be a little patient, man. Goes back to what? Just finish the movie. Stop at, just stop asking questions. Just like get to, and you're like, oh, he was dead the whole time. The whole time, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so here's a thing that, that I, I experienced in my life. And when I started sharing it with people, I got so many judgy eyes that I stopped sharing it, but. Right. <clears throat> How dare you? This is a judgment free, <laughs> safe space. You liberals. People yeah. say that until you push their own beliefs. Right. And so going into my 40s, I kept living my life on repeat. And what I mean by that is God kept showing me things from my past that held me up, that Mm. kept me stuck, that I didn't understand why I had to relive some of the pains. And it wasn't the same exact situation, but the situation I would be in today would remind me of the pain from 15 years ago. And God's like, the only reason you can experience that pain still is because it's unresolved. So let's talk about it. And I I experienced this on repeat going into my 40s, right? And the the, the question was like, how how am I going to navigate this? How am I going to get over this? How am I going to be a better person? Because I got to see the janky Chris from (laughs) 1999 who was dancing you know, the crazy dances and drinking the crazy stuff and doing all the crazy things. Hey, blow the whistle. I mean, that was our our 90s hit. We're like, (laughs) I think it was maybe early 2000s, but whatever. I I got it, man. Right? And I was, I really, in the midst of it, I didn't understand what God was doing. And instead of asking the question, why? It's like, how do I heal? How do I do this? How? My question, instead of why, became how. And the more I asked how, it really, in hindsight, set me up for when this crazy doctor felt that she had the authority to tell me something that only God knows, right? That you only have this amount of time to live, but only God knows that. And instead of saying, I accept what you're saying, I said, well, how, God? How are we going to do this? Well, I mean, how uh, I meant to ask this. I'm not going to edit this out because this is like... Man, to be a fly on the wall of this conversation, like this is why we're recording it. People need to hear this. People need to be inspired by this. Mm-hmm. I had something, but I, okay. Um, oh my God, I lost it. I'm so sorry. Cause it just, it was so beautiful hearing what you're saying. Cause absolutely. Who the, how the heck does a doctor say bam? And you're like, nuh-uh, or bet. You basically said bet. You looked at the devil and said, bet, let's go. Let's go. Double time. Round three. Like, let's do this. Yeah. I, In a way, the doctor kind of helped you out. Like, he, he needed to say gift. that, mm, and you're like, absolutely not. I accept less than. When she said that to me, it, it was like, I realized I had to claim something. I had to say some things out of my mouth to rebuke what was coming out of someone else's mouth. Because I know what God's told me. I know what his promise is for me. I know who he is. I know his character, it's love, it's truth, right? And it's an eternity. What she was telling me was a slow, painful, crippling death that would leave me debilitated fighting for my life in a way that God never 
intended for me to do. When was the diagnosis again? February 11th, 2021. Okay. 22? They said you had months to two years max. We are past the two-year mark. Well, we're not past the two-year mark. So we're past the two-year mark from when I started getting sick. So it must have been 2022. I am approaching the two-year mark of the actual diagnosis. This, Yeah, yeah. And so, but here's the piece, right? Because... Because I think I saw stage four before it became stage five. It it has, right? And and it can go backwards. Like the, the thing is that I serve a God that can take my stage four diagnosis and change it into stage one and make it a, a non-thing. Exactly. You know? Absolutely. Um and I think if we just pause for a moment, I have a very acute awareness that as soon as I submit <clears throat> submit to something being true in my life, it takes over my life. And how real is that? The moment you manifest it, put power in it, you believe in it, it's over. I I get I, I get that. I so Or it's just that. begun. I just I need to pause for a sec while you're like clearing your throat. I was gonna Sorry, I was gonna say something really awesome. You do what you need to do. I'm just uh oh she check on you, making sure you're good. Mama. Oh, that's so cute. Yes, I want to make sure you're okay. Oh, it's so sweet. Yeah, man. It's it's cool. It's cool. This you get it out. This is all staying. This is like I think she choked on some water. I made her laugh or inspired her or something. <laughs> um actually low key gonna make sure she's all right. I am so okay. Okay. Because your son came in twice. The first time I'm like, that's sweet. The second time I'm like, oh God, like, time out. Like, there's a cancer cough, you know? And, oh yeah. When you cough that cough, it brings alarm and sometimes fear. When I cough that cough, I know God's doing something. What's he doing? I don't know. That's the mystery of God. But when I'm talking about the goodness of God and what he's doing in my life, what he has done, what he continues to do, and I start coughing, I know I'm making the devil mad because he's trying to shut me up. And I know Mm. God's doing something with what I said. Mm. Right. And before we talked about, right, but we're not fighting physical things. This is a spiritual war. And the devil, the devil doesn't want you to be free from your trauma. He doesn't want whoever's listening to this. To, to, to know that when you claim something out of your mouth, it is a declaration of who you are, who you are going to be, and what you are bringing to life. I am bringing God's life to life. And it's truth. And it's it's absolutely. And it's, it's kind of crazy. I don't know. My mind went to like World War II. Like we're like in an underground war. There, there are spiritual metaphysical bombs going off. People walking around with radiation. Their faces are melting off. And we are a private coalition. Again, we got to put the message out there. But if right. we're too loud about it, be a big target. But it's... Well, I'm, I'm now willing to be the target. I am willing to put the target on my head and, and say the things that need to be said because there's too much complacency, right? mediocre Christians. 
I'm not going to say that because I'm going to offend someone. I want to offend you and your beliefs and your minimal thoughts of God. I want to unbox this God that you worship. And I want to undo the lies you were told about who God is. God loves you imperfectly perfect as you are right now with the story that you have to tell. We are the living truth of who God is. And if we stop for one moment telling the goodness of God, his glory, our experience with him, why are we breathing? I tell my friends every day, I will be a living sacrifice. If one day I wake up holy and pleasing to God, I'm not living to please Tristan. I'm not leaving to please Maven. I am not here for your enjoyment. Dear friend. I am living for God. And the moment that I don't have anything to say to give God glory, to give him honor, to bring awareness to him, for you to want to seek out your own salvation and walk out the sanctification of your soul, then it's time for me to go home. That's truth. That's truth. I will only pray that I don't know God's plan, but I hope he just keeps you just a little bit longer. Like that's the secret, just a little bit longer because like, I don't know, I think there's going to be bigger things. That's why I, I was there are bigger things. And, and I pray a prayer of Hezekiah, right? Like God has my life not, up till now not been pleasing to you. Has mm. my life not been pleasing to you up till now? And if you give me more, what more can I do? How many more people, as long as I continue with the breath he's given me to honor him, I will be here. I will see my children have children. Oh my gosh it's oof. goosebumps just oof. it's and you just that's the cool thing when you when you when you speak with god when you see you see flows you're just oof. Okay. everything you say is like could be on a t-shirt or bumper sticker like <laughs> real talk i'm uh do you tiktok that's the way of the future this is how this gets around is tiktok do you tiktok i don't i don't talk tiktok tick whatever <laughs> tell, tell your little your little zoomer youngin be like listen son tell me how to fortnite to tell me how to fortnite dance and then put a scripture over it and you get like a billion people following Oh, wow. I'm going to take some of our sound clips, some of the little things you say, put it on an account, and just people like, oh, the truth. Yeah. What's with this truth? Go, yas, queen, yas, slave. Well, the truth is what sets you free, right? But it's the love of God that keeps you free. Okay. The t shirt that, right that's there. That's a t shirt. That's a t shirt. Right? What I just say. Oh, my gosh. Well, it, and you know what? Hey, just if I can be real. If you can put a pray, prayer on this cast, I want to do this for the right reasons. I can be worldly. I can be a mediocre Christian. I probably am. But at the same time, one thing God blessed me is he's like, bro, you know how to talk to people's human. And they like that. And I, I don't know. He, I think he, he gave me my love for people. Well, let's I, say I, this. There's not a problem with being a mediocre Christian. Some of us are called to only be mediocre Christians. Let's just yeah, be honest. Because really? everyone, I believe that with my uh, whole heart. It's so lame. I mean, it makes sense. Not everyone's everyone a can't, Everyone can't be part of the 12. Can't all be. Uh, ooh, yeah. Some people are just the guy at the well. Some people are just the guy at the market that saw what happened to the guy at the well. Right? Some people are just the mama that made the sack, the sack lunch for the five fish and two loaves, right? Like, or whatever, right? Like, we have to understand as Christians that 
every role that God gives us is not platform platform role, mm. right? You might just have a soapbox to stand on. Be okay with your little dove soapbox. Stand on it and rock it till the wheels fall off. Yeah, I think that's important. I just, I, I still want to praise your message because I feel like you have to have the altar call. You got yeah. people say, bro, are you sitting on the sidelines? Are you trying to make history? You trying to make this team? We all want NBA championship rings. Like we could use the help, you know, sometimes it's just a, just, just the, to want to, just the back, you know, why not? Let's see what we got. And and if you really surrender it like you've been doing it, you get to do awesome kick butt things. I uh, I'm trying to work on my swearing. I haven't. I don't think I've sworn too much here. You seem like a nice lady, but just as a respect for a good godly woman, you don't need a sailor mouth. But uh, um, but I have a sailor mouth. I'm not. I love a good f bomb. Um, I allow my son to say cuss words. Okay. But, but do you give him like a limit? It's like after the fourth when you're like, fucking stop swearing. Like that's nope. that shit's rude. So here's my take on parenting. Okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the womb. Hey for a minute. That's right? where it all comes but back, baby. Back to the, womb. The, the, um, the baby goes back. <laughs> right. So my son knows me back when I was a drinker. My son knows me back when I couldn't get my life together. And who am I to put that so far down and be so holier than thou to be like, we're not going to act like I was never that person. Because I was, right? Like when God told me, I'm giving you this gift, I never knew my son was going to change my life. He was going to redefine what love looks like for me on every level, in every cell of my body, right? God showed me that even though my pregnancy was hard, even though I was probably not in the best relationship, even though I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing, God used my son to plot twist Chris's life. There you go. And that became the moment I became sold out for God. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fuck yeah. And so my son is allowed to accept his humanness in my home he's allowed to explore what it means to be a man he's allowed to explore what it means to be a human he's allowed to explore what it means to be an african-american male in america he's allowed to explore everything yes. i do not limit him because here's the truth parents that want to keep our kids so restricted because my mom did it she restricted us right it was a bible belt house you know, and everything. You was a heathen, you know, and by the time I turned, yes, and by time I turned 18, I was bolting for the door. I couldn't get out of my house fast enough, and I lived my 20s in Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what I mean? And God was like, I'm gonna burn that down. Turn people into pillars of salt. That's Bam. right. And it wasn't until when I was 27, that I, and I got pregnant with my son where I realized like, yeah, God still loves me in my mess, but God also wants to help me clean that up. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to give you the one thing that's going to make you completely do the 180. That's well, right. and, and you want to talk about pivotal. That was around your 30s. Like that's a huge moment where so 
so that answers, I guess, my long, long question way back. What was the turning point? It was your son when you had that beautiful baby. It was when I was pregnant with him that that God started taking me on a journey of what it means to grow in a womb, right? What it means to be in a chrysalis, so to speak, to be in a place where only God's hands matter and no one else can see, right? No one can see as a woman is, is cultivating space for new life to grow. No one can see her transformation internally to become the mother that she's about to become and to see the sacrifices that she's about to lay down for another life. You, even as a husband, right? Like my, my ex-husband, he was amazing in the in the youth of my of our son being born, right? I suffered from postpartum depression. I, I realized what I was about to lose. Mm, okay. <laughs> I realized, but I also realized God wouldn't ask me to, to turn away from something or to give something up if he didn't have something better for me. No, absolutely. Well, it's, yeah, no, absolutely. It does make me think like it, not exactly what you said, because at the same time, you decided that. Absolutely. You could have taken the very same existence and ruined it. You could have still been drinking, still acting a fool, make that son's life just a living hell. And I, sounds like you're, well, I mean, you did mention that there's, you acknowledge the bad stuff that went on you, because Absolutely. he saw you you drinking and all that. So let's be honest, when my son was a baby, because I also was suffering from postpartum, I went out, had my sister pick my son up from some, from wherever I was, like she kept him. I was out drinking. I couldn't pick my son up from her, right? And God woke me up and was like, this is not what you do with gifts. You do not abandon good gifts. Ooh, that's a shirt right there. And I was like, I'm sorry, what good gift? He's with my sister. He's in good hands. And he was like, I didn't give him to her I gave him to you You that was the beginning of me getting sober you ever see the movie I'm sorry I'm also a huge movie not everything's movies and stories have you ever seen the movie the crow no oof it's like it's like goth batman avenging his fiance she was raped uh he got killed and uh he kind of befriends this like foster kid or like this 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 runaway and like her mom's like a waitress she's hoeing about drinking acting full shooting up and he picks her up and he like makes her go to the mirror and says like i'm actually gonna find the line because i, I want to see if you think it rings true okay what is the, the crow mother line okay bam here we go okay Mother is the name for God on the lips and hearts of all her children. Yeah. Like it's because it's the whole thing is like you said, it goes back to the womb. He was created. You had, you had this life, this, this person, this new opportunity, this new everything is inside you. And you, I don't know. I, oh, just sounds like you really, you took ownership of terrible stuff. You were like, I'm not going to hide it. I wasn't, I wasn't perfect. I had this stuff though. And you decided, but this is my opportunity to change. That's the secret. Mm-hmm. That's the hope. That's the good ending to the movie. It's just like, Hey, I have a redemption arc. I, I learned my lesson or it's like, I be decided I'm going to take this p- 
pain and make something of it, mm-hmm. which I don't know. Otherwise, the pain is in vain, right? Like, let's not do that. Yeah. Let's absolutely. not take a moment that felt like it destroyed you, felt that it took every good thing in you and flushed it down the toilet. Let's not make that wasteful. And I think that the God that I serve, he sees the beauty in the ashes. Absolutely. And I set fire to my soul. Like, and and, and I mean that in both, both like physically and spiritually. Like I just said one day, way before I ever had cancer, that like I want to live life even if the thorns in my side never leave. I want to be able to learn how to cope with things that should have never happened to me, but did. Mm. I can't take them back. I can't make my dad be the dad that I needed, even when I didn't know how to articulate it. I can't make people be who I thought I needed. I can't let these disappointments, these heartbreaks, these, these sinful things, right? Like I used to, I didn't even understand the weight of an abortion when I did it until after it was done. Right. And so the idea of carrying that trauma, right. Um, And it all started with a lie. Someone spoke to me that you would never be a good mother. I won't stay with you because I know you won't be a good mother. I was good enough to have sex with, but not good enough to be the mother of your child. That destroyed any shred of self-worth that I had which was not much to begin with um and so God being the great redeemer that he is in the pregnancy of my son he said I don't care where he came from I don't care how he got here but he's gonna be here and you're gonna be the vessel that I use that was such a redemption story and if he could use my sinful parts that were broken and messy to redeem all of my unworthiness. He took a sinful act, right? An unmarried woman having sex, not protecting and honoring her body to then bring light into the world. And if you ever meet my son, like this kid is so amazing. Not because he's mine, because I don't like kids, right? He's amazing because he brings truth with gentleness. And he's still an atheist. And he's, you know, I'm going to let him rock with the word, though, because he's got to figure it out for himself, just like I had to figure it out for myself. And there'll be be a point in time when I believe we will all understand that this unraveling of life was just the, the doing of God's beginning for us to embrace a supernatural occurrence called a human experience and we chose this right he says he knew us before we were in our mother's womb which means he talked to us because god talks to his creation right and so if he talked to us we chose this the angels are not choosing heaven they're not choosing to live on earth right so in in the choosing of this human experience how dare we curse the creator of the same experience and part of the human experience is that you live to die. You can choose to leave a legacy or like you said, you can leave to die. It's, I was just, I just had this weird thought like, okay, 
you're a soul or you're, I mean, like maybe like a little cherub. I want to say like a little sweet angel baby thought idea. And God's like, okay, here's your plan. This is what you're going to do. And the cherub's like, absolutely, God, we'll make it happen. But then when they get born, they don't remember anything. They're a baby. They maybe intimately have an idea where they should go. I feel like there is some type of a draw or pull, but the devil makes it really easy, real hard to listen and follow. He's like, hey, get distracted with food, sex, (laughs) drugs, being numb, the feeling of being hurt, being the victim, just it's 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 a it's a rough thing called the human experience but also it's super beautiful it's where art comes from it's this is well man and i'll just say this i think your son he's gonna find it like hardcore you keep doing what you're doing he'll find it because like i i know he's awesome just by association i i reject what you say he is awesome because he's your kid because I, there was a woman who told me I was, it was this art store. I'm trying to have her on the episode, but she said like when people vibe so well, it's like, like, wow, why are we just having this super fun? Like you're cool. I'm cool. It's because the person's resonating on the same frequency. That could be God. That could just be good energy, but it's just like, there's something good about this that it can only help grow. You're the water to the dry soil that needs it. They're like, wow, it's growing. Thanks. Of course, humble thyself, because, bruh, that water's coming from the eternal water, the way, Jesus Christ. But that's my that's my problem. I think the longest time I was like, it's me. I'm doing it. And no, it's I'm a, I'm a sack of potatoes, as my wife would say. She does call me a sack of potatoes, which is like, that's the nastiest thing I can think of. I got holes in it. But I can't. You're a colander. I'm a colander. There you go. Exactly. Right? Because you can buy beautiful colanders, right? Pretty colors, beautiful sizes. I like that. You're a colander. You're a colander. Right? And if you if you submit to the idea that you're a colander, that means that sometimes, depending on what you put in the colander, will go straight through. Mm -hmm. Some things will stay, right? But then I pray that you grow to be a cheesecloth. Dude, that's going to be, I'm going to make some YouTube short. That's right there. There's a colander and then there's a cheesecloth. Oh, dang. In my, in my experience, I find that in my own strength, I'm a colander. Okay. Every once in a while, I become the sifter right? Where you sift the flour and make the pretty confectioner sugar on your cakes, right? Mm-hmm. right. But when you're the cheesecloth in God's presence, you're allowing him to really <laughs> get in skin. there. And, and you and preserve the, it. Right. And make it finer. And yeah. Have a, you ever have a really good cheese? I haven't because I think really good cheese looks gross and it's like... It looks gross. It smells gross. It is delicious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> it's one out of the four. It's like, oh. You know? And I and I want I want to be that in every area of my life. That takes right? work. That's takes work. work. That and is I, work. I think that people are not work ready in our homes. We're not teaching the ethic of stick to itiveness, right. right? So my son wants to learn how to do something. He wants to learn how to play the guitar. Sure, I don't mind. I'll go out. I'll buy you the guitar because I'm making an investment in you. I'm not going to rent it so that we can both now be committed to this thing, right? 
And now you got to commit for a year. Mm. After the year, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. Because it's not quitting after a year. You did the thing. You had some recitals. You learned how to read some music. Right. You learned how to sing some songs, right? And did he? He did it. Does he still play or still? He has it. And he's like, uh, I don't know. But he did that at nine, right? At nine years old, he did that. Now at 14, he's like, mom, I think I want to restring my guitar and get back into that. There you go. And I just want to submit to you that if you are considering trying God, if you're considering testing him or testing anyone in their beliefs, hang out with them for a year, get to know them Mm. for a year, not superficial. Oh, what did God do for you today? Hey, show me how you're living your life. We're, yeah, I say the F-bomb, but I will tell you the fruit of my life does not look like an F-bomb. Nope. It is, it is some delicious berries on a cheesecake. Right. And so it is the thing that you desire the most, which is being seen, being loved, being accepted, being being in community, eating, drinking, and being merry, right? It's like your cranium. Legitimately, that's your brain. All comes together it all Just, comes together there it is there it is and there are people that are amazing christians struggling their life does not look like you think it's not it's not on a hill it's not in a mansion but i'm going to tell you they're probably the sweetest people that you'll ever know they probably pray more than you will ever understand they probably trust god in areas that you could never trust god but try it for yourself so that same example you mentioned do they hang out with the Christian person for a year or they hang out with God for a year? I think it's both, right? If you're hanging out with a Christian person, that is hanging out with God. That's true. Right? That's true. Because a Christian person, and I'm not talking about the judgy Christian that's going to condemn you for everything that you do. A Christian friend will say, I heard what you asked advice for. Do you mind if I pray about it? Can we pray together? And I'm going to check in with you during the week and see how that's going for you. That's what someone doing life with you looks like. It's not like, here, let me judge where you're messing up and where you're falling short. Hey, I see that we're falling short. Guess what? I fall short too. We Let's to still together. together. Let me hold your hand and you hold my hand. Let me get you tissues. You get me tissues, right? There's an ebb and flow to a Christian friendship that is actually probably look like the most insane type of relationship because you're like, how do you still love that person? You saw them at their worst, but they still loved you. Man, dude, you're you're just I you're speaking some 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 truth in my life too. Cause like they're hardcore. I do struggle with those thoughts that like I don't yeah, I swear. I do I I, I think I'm really worldly. You can't tell my office it's just worldly crap. It's just <laughs> like a cool sword, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah it's I don't, I have fidgety hands. That's why I just have a screwdriver okay. around here. Well, because if I put this on YouTube to be like, why is he just, just, you know, <laughs> back to my point. I do struggle with that sometimes just because like, I, I don't know. It, it, I, I, I think your answer is the better answer because the way my mind perceives it is like Christians, true Christians are people who've changed drastically or they're supposed to be there's supposed to be some visible type of change because it's like it's that transformation and i always thought my transformation wasn't like i've gotten more in depth with god but i've I found like i've only kind of 
really doubled down on myself and I think my fruit is, is looking better, but I don't know, I'm always, can it be better? Is it the right way? It's sometimes I look at my fruit and I'm like, I'm not a fruit. I'm a dragon fruit or I'm a tomato. You don't think a tomato is a fruit, but technically it's a fruit, but I, something I struggle with, but I, tomatoes are delicious. So I submit this, right? I submit this for consideration. One, a new person walking into my life where I am at right now as a Christian, they will only expect to see me grow from this point versus someone like Lorianne who has been with me years before. Shout out Lorianne. Right, shout out to Lorianne. She can tell you the transformation that has happened to Chris from 2016 to 2023. And she can she can probably write you a timeline of, oh no, she was janky in this area <laughs> before. She had some, mm, I'm not sure I want to be her I, friend vibes. Man, I don't know. I've heard nothing but kind <laughs> things come out of woman's mouth. I don't think she would say any of that. Like, oh, she's like, oh no, she's only gotten better. She exactly. was already good. And it's just like, you know. And that's my point, right? So like what we get caught up in in society is judging people where we walk in on, on them in their life versus accepting that they were not who they are now. They were not that person yesterday. And there's no way you can be that person tomorrow. And we don't give them the grace to grow. The grace to change. It's not a, I don't think that you change intrinsically. I think that there is a transformation of Mm self-belief, right? And so like, I think we talked about like, why do I call myself a Christian transformational life coach, right? So one, God gave me that name because that's what God does. And I'm obedient Um, because when I became a life coach, this was not a term. And I don't even think still this is a term, but the idea of being a Christian life coach seems so mundane because Christians tiptoe around making sure you still feel good so you can still pay them. I will tell you, I would much rather you not pay me for me to give you truth with love and watch you transform you're fucking up dude with love you're fucking up keep your money i'm so glad that you said that we can do that because like that's 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 how i'd be like bruh like it's not it's not great like yeah this doesn't look great the, the 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 trajectory of your life right now if you keep doing what you're doing and saying what you're saying leads to immediate death and i see that for you and i'm not talking about a physical death i'm talking about a spiritual death and once you become spiritually dead, then you are mentally dead. Once you are mentally dead, then you are emotionally dead. And then you will physically die. Just flatline. It's over. <laughs> and if What's anything, up? even if you don't die, what's the point? Life is you're, so empty you're and zombie. hollow. You're just you're a zombie. You're the, and, you're the walking dead. Right. And then you're still telling people that you're a Christian. And people struggle with that. And I'm going to tell you something. Being a Christian is hard work. It's harder than a nine to five. It's harder than being a single mom. It's harder than loving your man, doing the things. It's hard. It's difficult. <laughs> no, it's it's man. Because because you know why? Because it will, you know, because the world is like, look how fun it is to just sin and be crazy. And, and you know what? I'm, 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 uh, what's it called? Uh, shallow enough it, it it does look fun and it is fun it is funny to eat nothing but candy but you will get sick if all you do is eat candy you will get diabetes you could potentially die your teeth hurt mix it up like 
So what does spiritual diabetes look like, right? Like, go well, could be gorging, could be constant social media, could be again trying to fill so much things in the hole, pornography, drugs, drinking, work, pride, fear, is false sense of accomplishment. A false like what is accomplishment really? When you think about it, right? When a lion wakes up in the morning and he stretches right. and does his rah, right? Like, they're so beautiful and majestic, right? He's not thinking, I'm going to be successful today. I'm going to get me all these lionesses. He's thinking, those girls going to go get me something to eat and then we're going to eat and then we're going to sleep some more. If we stopped for a minute and looked at all of God's creation, outside of us we're the only ones that are constantly setting these unrealistic and unattainable things before god and god said but hey am i not enough goes back to those job answers you're saying i as an adult i appreciate job so much because that's a hard book where it's like you get kicked in the nuts and you're on the gut round and you're like god al why and it sucks God's like, bro, you just need to, it sucks. Yeah, sure. But it's, dude, you don't need to know these answers. You weren't there in the Big Bang. You weren't doing that. I'm humbling your ass because you are an ant. I made you. I made this thing. Just, I like to think like definitely New Testament, he melodized like, just chill. Just chill, my child. Like just, daddy's got it. Just. But I think that. I love the story of Job and I I constantly am studying that book because there's so many nuances and depending on what area in your life you are, what season, what God is presenting at that time, Job will read different to you. And to all the non-Christian listeners listening to this, just a quick refresher, uh, Job is, it's a really messed up story. I think anyone, I think you just a person walking into the Bible be like, this is just God's a jerk. Or it's, it's just, so essentially, God and the devil, like there's this guy named Job. He's got everything. He's got how he's got the house. He's got land and animals and children. Does he have wives or just the one wife? One wife. He's balling. He's doing great. And he praises God constantly. And the devil walks up to God and says, he's only that nice to you because he's got all this stuff. He's got the family. He's got, but if you take that all away, he won't be praising you. And unfortunately, God takes the bet and God, you can imagine what just taking all that away from a man would look like. And I'll let you take over. And how does he resolve that, Chris? Well, it, it's a journey, right? It's a process because Job complains. He's self-righteous, right? <laughs> because he th- like he, he goes to the point where he's like, the day that I was born is not even worth the day, you know? And he, and and then he gets to the end and it's, it's like... The, uh, chapter 40, I guess, um, where he's, he's talking to, cause his wife basically is like, kill yourself. Like you're done. Like whatever. Right. <laughs> that's, what every, here, that's what it's... every woman who's designed to be a helpmate should not say to their partner at the worst times in their life. But she said it. <laughs> uh, step on a rake. Just, just, and you're just unalive <laughs> and it, it, It's done. Right. But then God meets him there and says, Hey, Joe, can you tell me how to hang the stars in the sky? Can you tell me how to do this? Can you tell me how to do that? And and Job surrenders to that, that he cannot ever comprehend who God is. 
in the majestic, mysterious ways in which he desi- decides to do things. Um, and the reason that I enjoy this this book in the Bible so much, and you don't have to buy a Bible to read this story. You can buy this in its by itself, read it, do it, do it. But Go here's the part. Internet, yeah, things, but... conjoined things. But here's what I find interesting because this is the book that I went over with my lovely son. Um, and what I find interesting is the book opens up where God's in a meeting and the devil does show up, right? And and God says to him, hey, why are you here? And he's like, oh, I've been I've been going around looking for stuff. The devil was looking, He's right? like that jerk in the office who says, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna dump all the coffee creamer in the trash. I'm just gonna knock papers over. Just like, yeah. what, what are you doing? Go what away. Doing? And so I think about that in, in this walk called my life. And I think, how many times have God and the devil talked about Chris? What does that conversation look like? Am I pissing the devil off? Am I pissing God off? Like which team is saying that they're winning right here? <laughs> you know, but the then scary I also- thing is like that, it, how they're doing it. I'll, I'll tell you, yeah. uh, they're having some hardcore government, like a nuke can go off at any moment level back and forth warfare. Because you are some prime, like you were, I guess you'd be like the queen or you'd be the king in the chess game. You'd be like, no, she's MVP and we will protect our MVP. You got like six angel goons constantly surrounding you. Granted, sometimes the devil comes in and kicks you in the nads, but you know, but you're just like, I'm tough. But I get back up again. Exactly. Right. And And then the angels rough them up too. Just like That's right. They're getting roughed up. Let's not be delusional about the fact that God does have angels for us individually that are fighting on our behalf daily. So the fact that we we know scientifically how challenging it was from, from conception for us to physically be here mm-hmm. as who we are, as uniquely divinely made as we are, but let's not take for granted one moment when we get to breathe another breath, that there is also a war going on for that breath to be breathed right it's it's a weird it's a weird topic like i've talked about this with other christians other spiritual people that really think like bro it's like thinking like legitimately because it's like you 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 talk to people who believe in god believe in jesus and the resurrection and it's like okay that that guy that red guy with the pitchfork that we see in the shows and the movies and the little rascal him is very real real. and wants to pardon my french fuck up your day he wants he you wants off to the fuck game. Up your life. There you go. There you go. He wants yeah. to fuck up your generational blessing. He wants to fuck up you, your whole thing. Devil's so a much. Dick. Like I want that, that on the shirt. The devil. The a devil dick. is a dick. The devil's a dick. Fuck he's that guy. The, he's the guy that you dated that you thought you were gonna marry. That then it, he kept kept telling you saying, "I love you," but and then six months after you broke up, he was married with a kid, and you're like. What's your problem, nerd? That's the devil. Stupid. You out here having fun, showboating, presenting like everything is okay because you're having fun. And and the devil wants you to have fun. He wants you to get the instant gratification. Don't talk about Instagram. I love love it. It's great because it's there. It's I push a button and I get happy thing that's very empty. And I keep pushing it. And it doesn't, I don't feel any fuller. I just feel sicker or worse. I ate all this candy. Now I have diabetes. And it, for what? Where you could have drank four glasses of water and had one bag of Skittles. 
Okay, I will say I'm sorry. I do have the like I think the secret to life is you gotta have a little of both, but one has to be bigger than the other. This okay. is my water that I keep filling up in here. There you go. There you go. Right? Because if you think about water, the H2O, I'm not gonna get super um scientific, but I'm just gonna say like right. I'm sorry. I was like for all the nerds that were like, come on, just just say it. So but keep going, keep going. I'm I'm not gonna say that, but I, I'm gonna say that if 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 you're a, a Christian or even a person that's Bible knowledge, right? Like it talks about God giving you a, a thirst from the living water, right? And so when I drink my water, I believe that that cures everything. Just like when I take my communion, it's it's a healing reset to my mm. flesh saying, hey, we're not the only ones doing work here. I never thought of it like that. Bruh, man, you got, you got my, all my... Mike is hardcore. You got my Christian relationship because I will say, I'm sorry to interrupt it, but just being real, I've not gone to church in a minute. Do we do have Bible studies with Mike and Pish? Oh my God. I call Lori. I know Pish. exactly who you're talking I, I know. But like, it's like, that's the same person. Mike and Pish is the same person. I'm so but sorry. You Lori know what? You get married to become one. So it's okay. I, I just don't think Lori Ann's nickname, like, I don't think she's like, okay, yeah. oh, can I call you Pish? She's like, that's not my name. My name's right. literally Laurieanne. Like, stop it. But she's so I, gracious. Oh, she's yeah. But we go there and we go to a marriage. Uh, I'm married, by the way. And we go to a married, like little. It just ended. It was, it was a marriage Bible study, like retreat class thing. Whatever. It just like we basically learned, like, hey, focus on God more, and your marriage will be better. And it's true. It's like, mm -hmm. damn. Like, I really, it really does the the medicine good. But I don't go Sundays, which I know I should. Let's talk about that. Let's not condemn right. you for it. Let's not condemn you for Thank it. Thank you, but let's, okay. okay. Like, yes, let's, let's. Let's shine a light on why Christians don't go to church on Sunday. Just like the same reason people don't go to buffets. They don't have what you need to eat when you need to eat. Okay. So let's if a church was offering you prime rib, because that's what you'd have a taste for, cheesecake with the berries that you like, and your favorite beverages, you would be there every Sunday. You wouldn't miss one because those are your favorite things. That's a good point. And so what we're doing as a body of Christ that are trying to convict people that are not going to church, instead of saying, what do you need to make sure that you're in this consistent community physically that will feed you and set you up for the week, you will find community that will restore you and help you confess your sins to one another. If I can't get you to that point, I need to sit back as a church leader and say, okay, what am I doing that is not helping the people that used to come here, come here? Or what am I doing, right? Because I bet you at Sizzler, they're trying to figure out the next best meal. Bruh, Sizzlers have been, man, because I don't know about you, but I don't see a lot of Sizzlers around because they they dying out. Like, we got to change the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just. But, and I think that, right? So, and this is what birthed my, my ministry, Art of Sisterhood, because okay. what was happening is I was going to the church and I was telling leaders what my, my sins were, what I was struggling with, what was happening in my marriage, how I needed to, to find, as a leader, I needed other leadership to help me. And I was okay. being judged and I was being can, trying to in sharing authentically who I am and what I'm dealing with. Right. I was met with, well, why are you angry? 
I'm sorry, if your spouse cheated on you, would you not be angry? I'd be pissed. Anger is just the first emotion that you feel. I'm also big, <laughs> sad, and hurt, and just confused, because... And so don't tell me, oh, you're doing something more than I can do, and, and then you walk away, right? And so, so many people get church hurt by church people that show up at a building that they know there is more safety in being at home, being at someone's small group in their home, that they're more comfortable with that. And I'm not going to lie to you. If we go back to the book of Acts, that is what God called us to anyway. There was not a building to go and call church. There's, you don't see that. You are the church. You have Every it time you wake table, up and you show up, you are the church. I love a Man. church building. I will go to a church building because they're, I'm getting my steak when I go there. But the minute I'm not, I will tell you where I won't be. Amen. Amen. I'm not, I'm not paying an admission fee just so people can say, oh, I saw you at church today. I don't care. I don't go to church to be churched. I go to church to receive the word of God with love in a community that I believe that will lock arms with me when life gets hard, when life is good, all, everything in between, when I'm sinning and when I'm a saint. I want those people to love me either way. And I will tell you, specifically for me, I go to a church that I've been through everything, right? I've been there for almost 10 years mm. and they didn't lock arms with me when I was going through my divorce. You know, there were no, there were very few men that were willing to come alongside my husband who was not a believer and, and just try to understand what was going on here. Yeah. And it destroyed my faith in people and church leadership specifically, right? Because I was a leader in that church and I know how I've come around other people and love them and show them like, listen, you can't control people, right? You can't change people. All you can do is love them. You love them to the point that that you can and allow God to do the rest. But people weren't even doing that with you at that no. church. They weren't even doing that. Not at all. Not the leadership, right? And and that's that's when I met Lorianne in the midst of these these trials that I was encountering. And same church or different church? Same church. Okay. Because I will tell you also, you don't leave a church until God releases you from a church. Interesting. Okay. So it's like my marriage, right? I didn't leave my marriage because my ex-husband cheated on me. I didn't leave my marriage because my ex-husband was verbally and emotionally abusive to me. I stayed. I went to marriage therapy. I went to church groups for marriage. I did everything. And I, and I went by myself to be a better wife. Oh, dude. But that I man, that sucks. And I, I'm not speaking ill of your husband because I know him because it sounds like you guys are in a better relationship now. We're not least. even married anymore. But like you guys still talk, right? Because I think we I talk, found out that yeah. he was there at the Hawaiian ministry. <laughs> yeah, he was okay. at the Hawaii retreat. Yeah. Okay, I um, just again not speaking to shade, but bro, you want to work on a relationship? It really has to be both people going those things. To every like, you it, have to show up together, right? And, and, that's, and that's scriptural. Better? You can't mm -hmm. do better by yourself. It takes two, right? And that it makes it harder to break. And so I think. The thing that happened for me, because even at the end of our marriage, and I say the end because this is when it was coming to the end, my ex-husband got cancer in his foot in like some, it was really ridiculous. But this is where God showed his glory okay. because my ex-husband needed surgeries. He needed all the things. And my friends knew what was going on in my marriage. I was still right there. I was still with him, helping him until he got recovered. And I'm telling you, as soon as the doctor said, 
he he doesn't have any more cancer in his foot, right? He had two surgeries. After the first one, the doctor's like, I'm pretty sure I got it. The second one, he's like, nope, got it all. He's fine. God was like, and now it's time for you to go. There you go. And what what a closing, closing with the best finish. Like, okay, we good? I think it's time to end this transaction. That that's <laughs> that's good. And I mean, you seem granted, I haven't seen Chris on a bad day. I haven't seen I haven't cut Chris off in traffic, but you seem so much like better just like mellow, mellow at least happier like you're not again you're not in a false relationship you're you're living with god you're living kind of for him with him for you and your your son and you seem like you're enjoying life right now would you say so i am enjoying life i don't seek happiness um that is a human experience um and happiness fades happiness is is like eating a, a bar of candy right? It's like, oh, you feel good. And then when that sugar high is gone, it's gone. Yeah. Um, I live to have the joy of the Lord in my spirit, right? And I will say this, I was working a job a couple of years ago, and it was already becoming a hostile work environment. And I, but I was the, I am the provider physically for my family outside of God providing for us, right? right. And um, I was, I was working hard and I had this interim boss who said, this was the last words he said to me before he left. Chris, can you do everything with joy in your heart? Mm. And I looked at him and I said, how dare you? I do everything with joy in my heart. You don't know me. That was joyful. <laughs> no. I was like, that is that damn right disrespectful. Well, right? okay. So, so I'm going to time out just because I, I think I need to use the restroom too. Okay. How much time has, no, and don't uh, turn this off. We're going to keep this going. Uh, how much time have, is this call been going for? Um, couple hours. Like, uh, does it say right now while it's mm -hmm. recording? Does mm -hmm. it? Okay. So. Just because we've had the best conversations, I don't think anyone really got a chance to know you. I okay. think I'm going to, as far as like, t I know what your ministry is about or know what you're doing. They do know that you're struggling and you're dealing with this stuff. I think we're going to, I'm going to maybe like timeline a little bit. Cause I kind of got like a loose timeline. It's like okay. something awful happens. You live in your 20s, just kind of doing the worldly thing. You had your boy. Then talk maybe more about your marriage or whatnot, but just kind of basically figure out like when, mainly want to get to the point where when did you become that transformational life coach? And we can talk about the jobs and stuff. So okay, well, cool. more about timelines, jobs, eventually your ministry. How much time do you even have left? Like, do you have like hours to go? Mm -hmm. Oh, snap. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll at least go for the timeline and then the job thing, and then we'll go That's from there because there's some, um, yeah, there's a lot of questions and stuff. First off, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. When we break, I'm gonna go get another slice of cake. Check in on my boy. I think I might get something too. See, so let's take. Uh, okay. How about this? Uh, five minutes. Perfect. All right. I'll see if you, we we could just leave. Stay the call open, but we can stop okay. recording. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. No, my mom's. Uh, I told you, a breast uh, cancer survivor, and she's. It's just. It's exciting to see because she, man, she was a woman that she's been through just hell and back and just, just have this kind of like dump on her lap. After, actually, she said she also had hip replacement surgery and she said that that was worse than the chemo. Really? Yeah. She's like, you know, but she's, she's healed. She's clear. Amen. I like to think she's doing some healthy, better decisions because of it. It's, I, uh, I'm going to cut this part out for real. I. Uh, 
I think maybe I I don't know how long it's been, but like we want to stay around like the two and a half hour mark at the most, and we got a lot of ground to cover. I think. You want to stop this recording and start a different one? We could do that, but like I guess that's what I'm also kind of posing to you, and I might even just keep this in here as like the that's kind of my fun gag. I always tell people I'm going to cut stuff out. Nope, I get to hear it nice and <laughs> candid conversation. Do um, you, I don't mind yeah. whichever you want. I know, like, list the way that we can stop it, and then if we hit stop instead of pause because we've been pausing it, it'll oh. it'll separate it to different chunk. Mm, that's actually a good point, though. Instead right, of like the one large one. Yeah. Well, okay, and I guess that's where we're gonna figure out the answer together. Okay. So again, we're talking about a lot of really, really great things. As far as like kind of that's the cool and beautiful thing about you. I'm like, what what do you want to get out of this cast or share? And you're you're doing it all, man. You're saying just really truthful, awesome stuff. Do we I feel like cause I don't want to bring up your ministry unless like we're really getting into the weeds about it. Cause I can imagine that's a very long story in itself. Am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. I think the beauty of the way this podcast has been chucking along is that there are parts of our conversations that are actual just conversations. And then there are parts that are informative of who I am and how I've gotten to where I am and what I'm doing with what I've learned. And so there's there's a beneficial part to each thing in different segments and how you want to build on that is really or how you have been building on that has been really beautiful you know what it's plot twist this is the only reason why i had you on this cast is i wanted like a trial session of the transformational life coach and um i think i'm willing to subscribe <laughs> it's like no actually the real plot twist is all my guests i invite on are just like ways to like help my ego just like tell me like i'm like i'm not that great and they're like no you're really special and i'm like Stop. okay yeah so let's do this yeah. okay so ego is really good i think ego out of control is not good so hey tristan i think that you're an amazing person um you have an eye for finding the uniqueness and powerful way that people's lives are telling a story and you have architected some amazing questions that cultivate curiosity in one's life to then sit with you and feel like you're sitting with a friend for years and be able to share authentically and transparently. And I'm very grateful for that. Thank you. I'm going to cry. I'm not going to lie. That was, you hit the nail on the head and that was, that was rad. Thank you. I was, no, um, you see it here, folks. <laughs> I'm excited about your going rates as a coach. Okay. The, the beautiful segue and holy crap. I, the ending when I wrap this conversation up, you're not gonna, you're just not gonna be able to handle the loving language I have for you. It's just gonna just be like, you're the best ever. Just to just, it's gonna smother you. Oh, your jobs, this transformation. You had your kid. You kind of told yourself this is like, I, I need to, I need to change. I need to go to God. I want to know mainly two questions. When did you decide to really work on your trauma, like really acknowledge it and unpack it and deal with it? And then when did you become a life coach? And then what were your other jobs? Like, what else did you do? If, yeah, you say it however you want. I'm just going to just gonna sit back and listen. 
okay, do you want me to stop since we're really transitioning into something bigger and deeper? Um, and the amount of, yeah, I'm going to stop it. Oh, okay. Actually, probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's smart. Excellent. Cool. So I, I will start with, um, unresolved trauma <laughs> for 1000 Alex. <laughs> what sucked the most about your childhood? The most our house burnt down when I was in sixth grade. Mm. And I grew up in a town. So no, I think, first of all, trauma doesn't happen because it's the worst thing. It's your coping mechanisms and all these other things that make it super traumatic, right? So I was a Brooklyn girl. I was raised where houses were on top of each other. And we all, like I lived next to a Hispanic family and an Indian family. And then I moved to a neighborhood where Blacks lived on one side of the town and whites lived on the other side of the town. So that, that's probably the most traumatic thing that happened to me in my childhood but I don't acknowledge that now as an adult as trauma, but I would say go, going from private school to public school, right? Um, going from a city lifestyle to a suburban lifestyle. These are like, these are traumas, right? If we're, if we're honest, right? It's character development, but exactly that, that's, that, isn't that kind of trauma in a way? Yeah. No, I totally, okay. Absolutely. So I think that those all were very interesting things. I, in my schooling as a young African-American woman from Brooklyn that moved to Long Island, I got put into remedial courses. And so where other kids were taking things like choir and music and art, I was stuck in taking a your stupid class, right? Um, oh, snap. <laughs> and so that was most of my, my education um, in Long Island was I just kept missing the mark. I couldn't for whatever reason, understand or learn the way the suburban kids learned. I had a little bit of an edge and I talked a little bit too much. And I had a little bit, I'd had a little bit um, this, you can't tell me what to do type personality. Um, I've always been a rebel. And so I remember in fifth grade, I told my teacher that she was a B-I-C-T-H. There's the sailor mouth for you. You're welcome. She probably, she probably, <laughs> she probably deserved it. Well, because what she said like was like she talked about my mom, right? Ooh, and you don't do that. You don't do that. You don't do that. I don't know where you were raised, ma'am, but we don't talk about people's mothers, right? So um, let me tell you about you yourself. Talk about mothers. <laughs> and so I only I used the word that I had heard used before, mm. and that's why she got called that. Um, that's funny. Right. And so um, I knew it stung. And so I got in trouble for that. And I'm not going to lie. I was raised in an abusive household. Right. My father was physically abusive and, and verbally abusive. And my mom was put lightly emotionally abusive. Mm. Um, and I think that if you were to ask either of them, they their take is it was discipline. Um, all for the sake of you being a better <sighs> human being and be and falling in line so that you could be acceptable exactly. and the, 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 the trauma and the reason I'm sharing all these things is because the trauma is I never cared to be accepted mm. so when you have someone that doesn't care about acceptance try to fit into a box of what should be acceptable and not acceptable that's trauma yeah. Because everything you're doing to me is contraindicating what my body, my mind, and my soul is innately designed to do. 
my god it's it and you know what sucks is it's it's all i think it's like it's that generation's fault it's just the old-fashioned pull ourselves by our bootstraps we don't talk about it we swallow it and it it breeds trauma and it sucks because it's like your generation definitely i think every every generation has to deal with something like that Mm -hmm. but they have to break those bonds they have to change it and say instead of me being the one that's getting hit on and saying you need to figure this out you're going to give your son freedom and you're going to talk to him and you're not going to you're not going to beat him to i was talking to a friend about this her daughter her like 2-year-old daughter is like hitting huh? and she's like how am i going to hit my daughter to teach her not to hit it's like let that make sense like hey don't do that but Ow. <laughs> so i'll tell you something when it comes to disciplining my son who also is cut from a different cloth than I am. Um, He's different cheese cloth. He definitely is like, mom, you don't have to hit me. I understand. Mom, you don't have to yell at me. I understand. And so I was a single mom when my son was two, right? The best age. Because everyone talks about the tantrums or this or that, the third. I didn't deal with any of that because my son, even though he was nonverbal, he was very emotionally intelligent. And he could tell when he made me upset and he would look at me and then he would like punish himself. So I learned at his very young age that I don't have to yell at him because he's going to know by my response that I'm dissatisfied. Mm. And so I'm going to take his wisdom as a two-year-old and let him process what's happening. So every time he did something that I was dissatisfied with, Either it's because it made me uncomfortable based on the way I was raised, or it was just straight annoying to my taste. I had to make a decision. Do I want to make this little human conform to me, or can we conform to each other? And um, what's, that, what's that thing we do? I'm going to turn my camera back on for this, though. <laughs> like, like, that's that. Yes, that is this. Copacetic. How do we? Yes. Just... Mm-hmm. And my son and I had to de- design a rhythm of connectivity. And how do I want him to see me as he grows to be a man? Mm-hmm. I'm the first love he's going to know, right? Preach it. What, what, what goes back to that lyric? Mother is the name for God and the lips and hearts of all children. Mm-hmm. To, to you, you are the creator because he came from you. Right. He just, it's, you know, it. man, back to the womb. Man, back that's a womb. bumper sticker right there. Back to, the <laughs> back to the womb. Back to the womb. Well, okay. So back to the question was... When did you make that conscious decision to unpack that stuff? Like, when did you like say, you know what, this is hindering me so much that I'm not growing. Like I, this, where I'm seeing you now is all growth. Mm-hmm. I guess I really want to know is when's the last time you're like, I really need to learn this lesson. It took me until I was 35, 38 mm-hmm. before I decided that mm-hmm. now it's the time to unpack that 15 year old rape or the abuse from my father or just all that garbage. So I didn't, okay, so. Sorry, that's a hard ass question. We ask hard questions on this podcast. I love that because I think the first precursor to that is you have to understand and accept that those were traumas, right? Or that those were things that started dictating poor behavior choices. And so I'm going to start at when I was in my early 20s when I tried to commit suicide. And at that point, I didn't realize the damage that had been done in my life, right? What did you try to do? I don't mean uh, to be- Oh yeah, no, it's fine. I've done a couple of things. (laughs) 
Hey, uh, honestly, people listening to this cast, we, we face depression and suicidal thoughts on the daily. And yeah. bruh, I don't know. It's like, if you're going to think about it, like, you, you know, don't, don't do it. Definitely don't do it. But like you, you understand if you have the attempt, you understand yeah. if you're like, okay, it's like, I got you. I'm sorry. You're struggling. It gets yeah. better, but sorry. Continue. Yeah, no apologies needed because honestly, it does get better. It and does. the and the and the freedom in it is saying, "Hey, I'm safe enough in myself to understand that I am hurting so bad that I think death will make that hurt go away." Mm. Right? Like that's the reality of what a suicide attempt is. That I think that death is the greatest escape from this pain. Not drinking not anything else, not sexing my brains to death, not nothing that I need to take my own life. And I tried, so the first time I tried, I was 19 and I took as many pills as I possibly could. And I washed it down with these little nips that I got at my job. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, I will tell you, the woman who was placed in my life to save my life at that moment knew exactly what I did. She told me what I did. And um, she made sure I got to the hospital. God put her there for you. He's like, yes. he's, like he's like, hey, no, I I need this one, mm-hmm. Bruh, man. That's and just... after that, and I don't even know that my mom even knows that that happened because I was of age, right? So there's no mm. calling your mom. There's none of that, right? There's just like, oh, I'm in the hospital. Why? Uh, I'll be home, you know. Right. Um, and then uh, I had another attempt because I tried to slip my wrist because that didn't work, right? Pills didn't work. So I want to cut my wrist. I want to be here. Down the road. I wanted to go across, right? That's, yeah. That's, you don't, it just looks cool. It doesn't actually do anything. You got to go down the road. Which it feels like it doesn't make sense because you feel like you're cutting more this way. Yeah, but you're not. But you're trying to get, that just. Trying to get the vein. Right. And I'm not trying to give you classes on how to do this, but no. the techniques. That's what I'm matter. trying to say. The people who listen to this cast, like understand. No, like we're all having like, yeah, dude, that's like, like, well, half of you is like, that's so barbaric and horrible. And then the real people be like, hey, it'd be like that sometimes. And yeah, mm-hmm. this is. But yeah, yeah. Oh, so I ended up in my early 20s. I mean, I think I was like 21 or 20, 20 or 21. I ended up, maybe I was 19. I ended up in a mental institution in North Carolina. And- um, How old were you when this happened? 19 or 20. Okay, I'm I'm like, and you had your son- When When I was 27. 27, okay. Mm -hmm. Oh man, so you had a good chunk of partying and Mm -hmm. like, okay. Yeah, I I, I lived. (laughs) I lived. And so um, while I was in this, the psych ward, basically, my roommate tried to kill herself as well. And so that was so much fun, right? That was the sobering reality of, oh, this chick must try to do this on a regular. Like, this is, it's just her. And so at the time when I got out, I thought I was only there for three days. And this is purposeful for me to, to really answer your question. So I thought I was there for three days when, I, when my parents came and got me because all these family dynamics, but a family member I knew worked there so she was able to get me out right and so then my dad divulged some of his own struggles as a human being and my mom divulged her inklings of what I was struggling with but none of these conversations happened until I was at a point of ready to leave this earth okay did you have those conversations with them eventually after you oh we don't we don't talk about Bruno we don't Uh, talk about Bruno so it was like a superficial conversation. Like, I understand where you are, but you don't need to be there. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I did it. You can do it. 
just like yeah thanks like oh, man and i'm sorry you had to get there for you to be like but also good for you to for really making suicidal lemons into like let's beef people up lemonade like i mean mm-hmm. you got inspired to be like i'm going to have real conversations because the same thing you said about like you life coaching is why i want to do this cast is because i want to have conversations that people need to hear like mm-hmm. they're controversial but i think there's a always a message that most people can kind of get behind it's like bro like come on we all gotta drink water we all want to feel safe and sleep and have a uh, livable wage and all that communist stuff though you know just mm-hmm. it <laughs> sorry i love that you said communist stuff yeah, <laughs> I, I hate politics is the worst but <laughs> i just that's it needs to happen. This is great. Like I, be, people are gonna forget that I just met you, or this is our first time having an in-depth conversation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't call you friend. I can, I can, can genuinely call, call you friend. And okay. I, you gotta go back to those questions I asked. But I mean, like I, off the record, cast, keep it recording. I would like to know more about your services or like, and how you do that stuff. Because like I. I want to know more about your work life as far as like, I guess the jobs you try to maintain while doing that. Cause mm-hmm. I'm very much at a crossroad path where I'm like, I feel like work is crushing my soul, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I kind of need the structure, but like this, what we're doing here, I definitely want to do more of, mm-hmm. I think it's the right thing to do more of, but like, it's not, it won't pay the bills. Not yet. It will, so, but so I got to really just, there's a couple of things I'm going to address. First, I'm going to go back to how I started dealing with my trauma. It wasn't until I was married. Okay. Um, Which, and a how conversation. Old were you at the time? 33, 34. Like Jesus. So you, had, you got married after you had the baby. Okay. Oh, I got. Oh, that's a whole okay. story. But right. yes, um, we had our son. We lived on the East Coast. Loved living on the East Coast. That's where I'm from. Um, my ex husband. Yeah, my ex-husband and I got into, he was my fiance at the time, we got into a huge argument, and he thought it was breakup worthy, so not only did we break up, and I moved back into my mom's house in my 30s, <laughs> I also then experienced my my uh, fiance moving across country, and um, and that created more trauma, as you could imagine, not only trauma for myself, but trauma for my son, and in that journey, we we found our way in some ways through deception and things like that. But we found our ways, and I got to LA. And while while in LA, and we got married quick when I got here because I was like, I'm not being shacked up. Like my life was already turning to be more God centered. I'm not looking to just be your baby mom laying up in here acting like you're playing house. So we got married really quickly. So like 2012, we moved here. 2013, we were married. Um, and then we did a big wedding in 2015, right, for our family and stuff. But there was these these series of events that led up to trauma, right? I got fired before our big wedding, a month before our big wedding, which should have been a big, 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 boom, 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 right? Yeah. But it wasn't. And so there were things that just kept happening in my life that said, oh, my gosh, it all leaned towards therapy. I was in Celebrate Recovery for my drinking, uh, when did you go there and straight shout out to celebrate recovery if anybody listening to this is struggling with a hurt habit or hang up go there whether it is chemically or mm-hmm. tra- traumatically or generationally go there i've gone there you've gone there my wife's gone there i uh yeah it's it's the Please first continue. stop 
for self-healing. So there's the answer to the question. That's what really kind of got you that. All right. It's time to be. Yeah. So 2014, I walked into Celebrate Recovery um, at our church and the things they were saying made a lot of sense to me. I didn't know how to get it fixed. And I knew Celebrate Recovery wasn't the only thing that would help me, but I was committed to taking a step. And so from that step, I then, um, as we experienced troubles in our marriage, um, we went to couples therapy, but then I also got into my own therapy and in my own therapy in 2018, I think maybe 20, the beginning of 2019 in my own therapy, my therapist said to me, today's your day to make a decision. Mm. Mm. You sound crazy. Ooh, altar call. <laughs> yeah. Altar call. And he was like, you just have to make a decision on what you want to do and what you don't want to do, right? And he was basically saying, decide your negotiables and non-negotiables. And then we can work on healing. But if you don't even know what your negotiables and non-negotiables are, how can you heal? If you don't know what you believe in and why. That's step, well, that's step two. But step one is how are you going to fix a problem if you cannot identify it as a problem? That's step Correct. one, step baby. One. Uh -huh. And the people who don't know what Celebrate Recovery is, it's essentially like AA, NA, but with a lot more Jesus and it is, it heals and it's, it's good. It, it works. And I, the community that you meet and celebrate recovery are people that are similar to you. So you feel safe enough to say, oh my gosh, I drink. As soon as my hangover is over, I take another drink because I don't want to feel it. Or, right. <laughs> or that when someone says, lipstick it makes my brain trip out because my mom used to always make me wear lipstick right like whatever your mm -hmm. thing is lipstick is not my thing it's just a thing I'm using as an example pantyhose are my thing like if people tell me to wear tights it, it makes my brain kind of like short circuit because my mom had to wear pantyhose I always had to wear pantyhose and slips and they were the most asinine things for a tomboyish girl to want to wear ever ever in my life and and I just want you to know that there's always going to be someone in your life, work, false expectations, the wrong spouse. And yes, there's a such thing, wrong spouse. It's called unevenly yoked. Um, you know, all these things, it's, it's true, right? Like my ex-husband and I were unevenly yoked. And so we never should have married because when it came time to to resolve things in our marriage because we were not from a similar foundational mindset, our working on things looked different. I was not an escape artist. I always confronted things as best as I could mm. until I felt like I couldn't. And that's what got me so depressed, right? It didn't stop me. But even now to tell you, I tried to commit suicide. And once I realized this was a generational problem, I wasn't effing cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I came from a family that's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Oh, great. Now I know. Right. So if, if my if my partner is completely sane and does not understand cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, probably not the best partner for me. Right. Because there's no alignment in that area. And so then when I start going crazy, then you feel it's an invitation for you to call me crazy. And it, I'm not crazy. I'm just trying to navigate this thing called life with a different set of eyes than you have. 
So yes, there could be a wrong partner for you. You can't make decisions on who to make your partner out of desperation because of poor decisions. You have to have the tough conversations that like, if I feel like this, how would you respond? Interesting. Interesting. No, that that's, I, I get that. That, that, that speaks true. It's a mask a hard question. Do you, have you forgiven your spouse completely or as much as you can? Or I forgave him ex, before. I forgave him before I left my marriage. That's with respect. That's that's with respect. That's dude, no, that, he will not say that. <laughs> but I forgave him, and and I think that what forgiveness looks like and feels like for people is different, right? But because I was the primary provider, and we were still living in a home that I was paying for, and I was filling the refrigerator for, and I was doing that, and I was allowed, I was cooking for you, and I was doing things. This is an expression of love, right? To care for someone is an expression of love. Yeah. And if I can do that, that must mean I forgave you. Because if I was angry and bitter and disgusted, I would let you starve. Because that's what hatred looks like. Val, dope, very valid points. And good for you for bringing home the bacon. Well, okay. So I'm, 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 I'm linking all these together. I do want to go to the job thing. Mm-hmm. When did you like, because I think that uh, Lorian told me that you worked at Loaves and Fishes or like, I, I guess I'm asking because like I this is an amazing experience, but ultimately I want to bring home the bacon. I want to mm-hmm. I, I want to make the money so I can bless people and not just worry about it. Just you know. So first, let's talk about my work history. Okay. I was not allowed to work in high school, so I'm one of those kids. Oh. Um, it sounds like a benefit, but it wasn't. No. Um, <laughs> it, it it wasn't because. It hindered me from learning while living at home how to manage my finances. Mm. So it put me behind the eight ball when I first started making money and it felt good. And because I'm old, rent was only like $400. You know what I mean? Your guys' rent was a joke. Yeah, it was like my first apartment was $400 a month. I was like... And time capsule. Whoever listening, it's like it was was $400 at a time. Now it's like... And now I'm paying 16, insane 14, amount 15. of rent. Yeah. Because you're in good. LA, right? Yes. I bet you pay a disgusting <laughs> amount of rent. It's, yeah. it's so gross. <laughs> Grody. Grody fantastic. The 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 beauty um is that I had to learn it all by myself, right? And so I started working um covering jobs for my sister's friends when they couldn't show up because they were super popular and they had other things going on. And that was at like a soccer field, baseball field, doing the concession stands, right? Okay. Really cool job, actually, because I got to meet a lot of people. I've I've always been a person that can hold a conversation, so I really I couldn't tell. That. I couldn't tell for like the what the three four three hours of talking <laughs> exactly. And so I did that for a while. Actually, I wound up getting bumped into being a, a stand manager for all the high school kids. I was the only one that could pour the beer, you hey. know. And so, so it was great until I got bumped up to being the box seat um, concession stand manager. Oh, and so wow. I did that for for a while, and then I was became one of the little. Or where was no, this like it's like a, a local farm team back in Long Island. Um, and they had for box the Long Ducks. There were some go go ducks. Go ducks. Well, hey, I'm from Oregon, so that means something completely different on our side. But yeah, go ducks, go <laughs> Right. Um. So yeah, they had they had box seats and stuff, and and that taught me one that um getting to know people was the most critical thing about any job, right? Like you got to know people. So I made yeah, my most people. money when I knew who was in the box the night that they were in the box. 
that's how I took home more money. It wasn't the, the cash that was coming through my check, right? Then um, I worked, I, I did retail, hated it. Um, but then I worked for this uh, sale company and I went door to door selling stuff. I would not buy, I would straight buy something from you. You'd say no something. No one bought something like, from me. No really? one bought things from me. They, they felt like it wasn't a woman's job. And I'm petite in stature, so I'm not even five feet. And so that's spectacular. Really? And it's, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I'm so tiny. And I was really thin. And um, even though I was outspoken, I felt, I felt intimidated because I, it was a part of my self-worth that I had to tap into to sell something, right? Yeah. Because I'm worth you listening to, then you buy what I'm trying to sell you. Exactly. So I did this for, I did this for almost like six months, right? And it was in New York and it was snowing. I started this job in February. The snow was like up oh, to my shoulder yeah. and I don't drive. I don't have a driver's license. So I was being driven around. It was a man's job, you know? And one day- Were you day, selling knives? What, what, I was what, selling what you... knives, coloring books, flashlights, everything. It's just nonsense. And the thing, though, that wind up happening is the girl who was working the front, super cute, great, all the curves in the right places, you know, and white. Um, which Damn, was those white people, those crackers. <laughs> she, I'm sorry. She, no, no, it wasn't sorry that. Sorry for any crackers listening. The it's reason okay. that I pointed out is going to be pivotal in my career. Okay. So she, did, she decided not to come back. And so the manager says, hey, can you answer the phone for a day? So I'm answering the phone and it's recruiting, right? So you're constantly recruiting because it's a high turnover job. Right. And so I'm telling these people like, this is what you're going to get. Don't come if you don't want it. But I wound up filling the lobby and we wound up hiring like 30 people. And the manager's like, what did you say to them? I, I was like, I just- I motherfucking just talked to them. <laughs> I opened up my, my mouth and I said the right things and they're in the door. And they're in the door. And there so he offered me the job. Man. He offered me the job. He offered me. Um, How old were you at this time? I was like 22. Okay, man, dude, God was straight up in your life. If you're scoring jobs like the, can you answer a phone? Like you're literally that guy in the movie. We're yes. just like, you're perfect. You're hired. Absolutely. That's exactly what happened straight out of a movie. And he offers me salary that, that more than covers my rent. Right. He offers me, um, Lunch, so I don't ever have to buy lunch. And then because I don't drive, I would get picked up and, and taken and I got driven around, right? So That's like awesome. pretty, pretty princess, right? So, but ego comes in, right? So I did this for years. And at some point, the VP of the company came and was like, he wanted to meet me. He really needed to get to know who I was. Okay. And when he came through the door, I greeted him. And he's like, I'm looking for Chris. I'm like, hey, I'm Chris. He's like, no, 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 no. The girl who answered the phone. I'm like, yeah, that's me. And he's like, where's the manager? So I sent him to the manager. And he's like, I thought she was a white girl. I thought she was this. Ew. Ew. Bro, shut the hell up, man. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to swear. Shut the fuck up. She put butts in seats. You made her money. But the beauty of this, this job at that age, it was my first experience of racism at that capacity, right? But what he did for me was, because I didn't fit, the mold that he thought I should. He gave me money to go out and buy suits. He started grooming me to be what his image was. Okay. It could be looked at like I, I sold know, out. Is, right? A hard, it's a hard, hard word. word nowadays. But let me tell you something because in the time when I was working, you wanted to be groomed. Oh, you yeah. wanted people who were doing amazing things. 
to take you under their wing Hell and yeah. teach you the things. Buy you so, pantsuits and just like oh, expensive listen. ass watches and BMWs and yes. okay. You well, want to so want that. This job that, that, that you're talking about, was this the, the call center thing? It was for a sales company? It was it was for a sales company and it wasn't call center. You went physically door to door. And That's so crazy. what my job cultivated to be was that I wrote job ads for the newspaper. Again, that's how old I am, right? Um, and I started becoming a mentor in other cities for the girls working to teach them how to be this person that I was. How so, old were you when you were mentoring? Like 23, 24. Bro, are you, am I straight talking? You're an old school. You're what we call an entrepreneur. You're an influencer. You're an Instagram influencer before Instagram. Before that even made what sense. What the heck, bro? Like, so, and you weren't even on God's team yet? Or like you were, but like you weren't even like. Mediocrely, yeah. Bro, okay. Like, so I'm going to speed this up a little bit. So I started mentoring and I met I, one of my best friends who's still my friend, my son's godmother to this day, right? Um, What's her and name? her name is Lynn. Shout out Lynn. Shout you're the, out you're Lynn. the man or the woman. She, she's you are a the man. Woe man. Yes. It's and, her story, uh, not history. It's her story. It's, <laughs> you know. And in our relationship with Lynn and I and me cultivating and helping teach her how to, to do the job that she got hired for, I realized that the gift that I was given was bigger than what I understood. And so I had to be quiet more in the room. I had to be quiet more and watch. And so by the end of my time with this organization, because I got phased out because of career builder and monster. Right. Oh yeah. I, it was, I was, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm, my job is outdated because of technology. And so that was tough. When, but when was, did this happen? Like was it like early 2000s? Or yeah. Like, early 2000s. Okay. Yeah. Early 2000s. And, um, Chad, who I will forever bid my the amazing career I have to him, he said to me, I know you, I know you're gonna leave. I appreciate I traveled and relocated several times for him to build his mm. organization and things like that. But when I was ready to gracefully bow out, he cut me a check um and helped me start my own business because he knew what he had in front of him. You and still so keep in contact with him? No, no, because I didn't know what I had at the time. I was grateful for the check and I was really sad that I had to leave, but it was time. Right. You know, um, so I did a I, I started a jewelry company in like 2005 and I kind of did it like like people did Tupperware. Again, I'm dating myself, right? <laughs> it happened, but, man. It straight up happens. Like <laughs> Yeah. And so I did that for years. I made beaded jewelry and on the weekends when I wasn't working, whatever job I was working during that time, I would go to people's houses. I would have jewelry that I made and then I would personalize jewelry for people on the spot. Okay. Right? I wanna and, I wanna timestamp this. Did so you haven't had your kid yet? You're no. maybe twenty five, twenty six doing this or more. I'm like twenty four. I'm like twenty three, twenty four, twenty between that like before before 26 so during that period and all i want to guess because again i'm trying to figure out how my like livable acceptance is like I'm, I'm doing good for myself were you making like fat money stacks when you were under that vp's wing and did you have the nice cars and did you have the nice places because so you weren't married and you had no kid at the time right i so yeah i value different things so i had fat money and i traveled a lot and that was what was important to me right so and i was able to take my mom wherever i went and i was able to take my boyfriend wherever i went right so That's we drove awesome. a nut we drove a car right i didn't drive i still don't drive but my ex-boyfriend as a you know he was younger than me so he was able to drive a nice car he was able to have money i paid for everything for us 
we we never we wanted to go we were matching couples yeah yeah. not anymore i am looking for a sugar daddy now if you're out there please aren't aren't we all aren't we all chris looking for a sugar daddy an old white man to just buy me i'll make all your dreams come true you heard it here folks chris is looking she you know what and she she you know what you can be anything as long as you just you take care of bills maybe love god it'd be love god first yeah love yourself and then love chris that's 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 the criteria there you go Um, amen amen but yeah i was i did i had i had a lot of um a lot of money um and if i would have known then what i know now i probably would have invested a lot more of that money into a property yeah right because I watched everyone else build their dream. That's who Chris was. Chris was a dream builder. But Tell you me your dream. Everyone else's I built dream everyone except else's dream own. except my own. And so I um I moved back to, to, to New York after I left that job and I was working and back and forth doing things. I worked in medical fields, medical manufacturers, I worked in a warehouse. I did a lot of nonsensical things, but by time, if we can just fast forward to the time around when I had my son, I got a yeah. job at a medical office in, in Manhattan. I worked in Manhattan. Okay. I'm one of those girls that had my shoes in the bag and wearing my sneakers walking to work, um, you, <laughs> you know, and in working that job, I found like another Chad. The doctor took me under his wing, taught me a lot of things, taught me how to present myself authentically but not rude and crude. Okay. Right. The sales job allowed me to be rude and crude. The doctor was like, you don't have to be rude. You don't have to be, you know, aggressive. Just assert yourself and people will listen. And so he cultivated me in a way that was like a finishing, right? So he took me from being a colander to being the little sister. Right. Okay. So then I moved to LA okay. and um, this is 2012. I moved to LA. All right. It took me 12. What, what uh, took you to go to LA from Manhattan? My ex-husband. <laughs> okay. Okay. So yeah. now let me, let me dial back though. Okay. Cause mm-hmm. it was, you had your son mm-hmm. and then like, it was like what, for like seven years and then you got married? I got married. My son was four, four or five. When four I got or married. five when, when you got married. Okay. Cause, cause I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to time, timeline this and whatnot though. So you had the Chad like thing, which by the way, like just kind of curious. Did all those mentors, did they stay as mentors or did they ever kind of get mm-hmm. into romantic partners and they never made it weird no. or creepy? No. So I was never Chad's type. Thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> but I will say like, because I was reckless and I was a heathen, um, the, the manager's offices that I worked in, like I worked with 40 guys at a time. Like I had a good time. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, I, like... I had a good time. I, I, I really didn't, I didn't really spend a lot of my money on me because money was being spent on me that's um i'm just gonna say macaroni in a pot that's that's that kind of yep Uh i got i get what you're throwing down Uh and that's so amazing and i only ask that because like that's i don't know it's it's a popular topic it's been happening and it's like you know again uh rich rich man or just it just there's people with money and people with power and people with influence and it's like the right people building you up like it's amazing that you had all these really good people that just put they watered you mm-hmm. and they weren't creepy they have ulterior motives they weren't trying to get in your pants and that's that's amazing so you had these two big mentors 
we're gonna fast forward you going from LA to from the, NY um, to LA, and this was after the the toe surgery, the second toe surgery. No, no. So he didn't. That happened in 2019. 2019. The the foot surgery stuff happened in 2019, right so before I got divorced. Flew. You guys were still married. You we were still were married. Just... So we were in. I was in LA. Okay. I lived in LA. I and I still live in LA. 2012 to current. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's so a, a lot long, of things. That's a long time. Yeah, a lot of the things that you hear me say about my ex-husband are mainly what happened here because he wasn't my husband when things were going on when we were on the East Coast. That's um, gotta be hard. You know, um, life is hard. Ouch. That was like the <laughs> simplest and like most painful sentence to say out loud. Like life is like, ow, yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah, it is. No, it's hard. It's, if you're doing it right, it's hard. Damn. The last uh, episode I'm hopefully going to upload right after this one, but uh, is talking to a comedian. He said, like, when you do something exactly when you do something right, it's difficult. Like when you want to raise your kid a certain way without, again, beating the shit out of them or like making them feel less than, but like still making sure they're a good human being. It's it's difficult. Mm -hmm. So shoot. it's probably the most difficult thing to do. And when I moved to L.A., I. Yeah. Honestly, it was hard. I don't. I don't have. I don't have family here, right? Um, I didn't have a community. My ex-husband is not communal, and so I everything that I have now in LA is because God and I built it. Mm. And so I came here. I went to go back in the medical field, which I did for a hot second. But I worked at a job where. <laughs> It's funny that you glorified the mentors that I had before for not being look not being sexually orientated with the grooming process. Because when I got here, the guy that I worked for legitimately was a creep. Um, <laughs> and it's not that I, I, I got fired. And this is what I was saying. I got fired before I got married. This is a guy that fired me because I wouldn't say that I slept with him to someone that he was trying to hire. So and you never slept with him and he wants you to say that I did because of someone else to create to create a safe space for someone else and not he was sleeping with another girl in the office and I wouldn't I was like that's not me you got me confused with somebody else and you, he wants you to be like his unofficial wingman like hey just Correct. say like I, yeah. I fucking killed it like mm -hmm. I, I crushed yeah. it mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> so and I, I was like you got the wrong one wrong Sorry. one and I think like, and, and part of how God created me in my life is that I was raised in a household where a man didn't respect women. Mm. And so my tolerance for that is minimal <laughs> at best with the right word. Right. And so what I was explaining, like why I left the medical field, honestly, was because this guy was such a creep that I realized that like, if I stay in this field, I'm going to wind up going crazy. Like the, the amount of uh, ego that it takes to fill a doctor's head and no shade to the doctors that don't have that, but there is a sense of, because you've accomplished so much and you have the ability to help save a life, I want to remind you that you are not a savior. You do not have a heaven or hell to put me in. So um, excuse me, let's tone it down a bit and put it into perspective. 
from Hula Hoop to Cheerio, okay? Uh, like, <laughs> hey, real talk, like, Grey's Anatomy wouldn't be a thing if doctors weren't horny, broken, stupid people. It's like, again, you're right. That's how they justify it. They're like, I can be reckless and dumb. And my, my buddy was, have you seen Grey's Anatomy? I don't watch it, but I know what you're you, talking you about. You shouldn't, like, it's, my buddy's <laughs> telling, I've never seen it, but my buddy's telling me about it. He's just like, he's like, there's so many people just fucking and ruining lives. And it's, again, <laughs> Why is the medical field a legitimate soap opera? Except it's not funny because it's like, bro, I don't want to be involved in this love triangle. This right. is, I want to work and bring home a paycheck and go to my family. Like I want to right. work at work and not. And not have it bleed all over itself. Exactly. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So you left the medical field from New York mm -hmm. and you went into the medical field in LA and then you're just like, I can't like. Oh, what a place, an L.A. doctor. No wonder the Hollywood Hills and all the drama. I worked in Beverly Hills. I worked in Beverly Hills. Like, actually, like you're not. Like, oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not joking. I worked in Beverly Hills, and I okay. So, explain so Will Smith. Like, I can see why I Will wanna... Smith's so crazy now. Like it, Beverly Hills just has a folk has a thing on people. So what what I found and and. Even though I'm from New York and, and the big likes and the this and the that, right? Like I never dreamed of being famous or anything like that. I'm very not that person. But what I realized being here in LA and working in Beverly Hills is that it's so easy to get wrapped up in the stardom adjacentness. <laughs> You're not a star. You're just adjacent to that. And you think you have the same rights and liberties. Right. And so I really wanted to get involved in things that were life giving. Right. Because I was already involved in a church here. I was part of the outreach team here. I saw what was happening where I lived at here in Koreatown. And then I would go over to Beverly Hills and see what was happening there. And there's such a disparity. Absolutely. I'd like, yep. And, and, and you didn't go very far either, I bet. I did it. Maybe a couple miles. Not even Just, seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so. I, I had to make some really tough decisions when he fired me through a text message. <laughs> through a text message, I had made up in my mind that I was going to sue him. And okay. I was going to get reparation. Come on for the black people in the room. I want my 40 acres and a mule, okay? <laughs> hey, bro, give it to him. I, my, my wife's black. It's not so important, but like hardcore, absolutely. Give, yeah. give my wife... We want for we That's want forty acres and a mule. And a mule. I yeah. want that, right? And honestly, and this goes back to the being evenly and unevenly yoked. Unfortunately, in my settlement, because we were married, that was household money, right? Oh. <laughs> and so half my money got used for things that I would not have necessarily chosen. But the best part about it is that I invested in myself for the first time in my life. Okay. in a big way let me and slow that down so i can understand though because like okay you left I, I understand you totally left would you say the church here i think that's what i'm really kind of honing in on is the church <laughs> in la maybe had that effect or had gave you the strength to keep god there for to deal with the sexual harassment work though the just a very toxic boss and even a toxic marriage this church really helped you or how did you find it? I think your... community helped me and okay. I chose to find community in a church. 
I chose to build community in a church and that's what helped me. I will not give any one church any credit for my development. I will say I had to do the work. I had to walk in that church. I had to find places where I felt that I fit in and I had to find people that I thought were my people to help me get to where I needed to be. How many churches would you say you went through before you found like, because <laughs> like, are we really talking about like a, like a good couple of church jumps? Cause like IK and the only reason I'm asking is because I find it like math, like again, incredible that you, you have this trajectory. Cause I, granted, I'm, I'm, I haven't seen your lows lows, but like, you're still just killing it. And the fact that you're, you haven't like lost hope or despair that you were able to find community wherever you went, that takes a special person. I think a special person that can be just like, just. I I think when you, when you're raised in a church foundationally, you understand, and I won't just say church, family, foundationally, you understand that connectivity, that connectivity is really how you're going to survive some stuff. Right. And so even though my family was toxic at times, I understood that if something really bad happened, I could call my grandmother. I could call my grandfather. I could, there were people I could call. So I knew bringing my son to a new environment with people he didn't know, people I didn't know, the best place to go was a church. A church will give you a children's ministry, will give you at best a women's ministry right? And some way to be of service to other people. Through that, you find other opportunities to grow and do the things that make your heart sing, right? Right. So my son and I went to about 12 churches here in LA. I had no idea. (laughs) We went to about 12 churches. um, And my son was young. He was barely four um, when we moved here. And um, we would walk in and I would watch his demeanor or I would watch the way people engaged with him. And he's like, oh, this is not the church for us. And that so I started praying. Right there. It's like, are you, how's my son feeling? How do you treat my son? That's yep. really important. Because honestly, I can recover from how you treat me because I'm grown. But how you treat a young person and how they recover, that's something completely different. Well, and that's my- why you see so many people like, I'm not church people. Mm-hmm. I had one bad experience where when someone said my grandma's going to hell and mm-hmm. I just, I turned off. Yeah. And I think that, that we, we, we as a people say things we're not supposed to say a lot of times and that we don't really mean, but it's in the moment and then it causes hurt. Oh, yeah. And so trauma. When, trauma. And so I prayed. I started praying because my son, is, his name is Maven. Maven and Maven I was with, with an M? M-A-V-E-N. Maven. Okay. Maven. Maven. Mm-hmm. I like that name. That's a, it's a word. It's a Jewish word. What's it mean? Know it all. <laughs> Bro, man. Okay, hardcore. Again, I know your son's gonna be cool. It's uh, bro. It's it's if he you already seem so knowledgeable and so much a learner because that's the real secret is yeah. just the educating. Like, yes, I I can I can learn. It's like I I may not know, but I can learn. And does your son does he seem like a guy that's actively like pursuing truth and like knowledge and he yes. He does it differently, but yes, he does. That's hilarious because he's a teenager. That's why. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, man, I will say I was oh, God, I was a monster to my parents. Just God bless them. That's all I can say. Just I was you know. a monster to my parents too. Looking back at it, but I think that that 
how we how we tame the beast, so to speak, is what makes the beast beautiful, exactly, exactly. right? Um, I remember, I remember, um, I remember when we were looking for a church, and I kept praying. Like, I grew up where I could walk to my church, but we lived in a neighborhood where we couldn't walk to church. There was no church to walk to. Yeah. And so I just kept praying, God, please, God, please, God, please build a church, bring a church, move us, do whatever. We, I need a church. I need a church. And so then the church, they, they moved from where they were and they purchased this building down the street from my house. What number church was this? Was this the 12th one we're this talking? This was the 12th one. Mm-hmm. How many years were you in LA before you found that church? A year and a half. <sighs> I, I'm I'm proud of you for like giving some of them a try, but man, like I'm so glad you found the right one on number twelve. Like that's, yeah. C- yeah. Continue your story with this, and this is the one where you met Lori Ann there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And final final question, because I'm saying you with this just bam, bam, bam. <laughs> what? How old were you? What year was it? And oh, how old was your son at the time? Okay, so my son was like four. Okay. Um. So hold on. So if he was four, I was four. I was thirty-one. <laughs> thirty-one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It must have been just like exactly what ten years ago. Yeah, it was just a, a yeah. Twenty thirteen. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And um, the beauty of that was as they were preparing the church for people to come, people outside would like, oh, you should come to our church because my son and I we walk up the street all the time, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the day they opened, we walked in. Oh, really? So yeah. you like, okay. And so even though they've been established for a very long time, on this particular ground, on this particular property, my son and I were one of the newest members, but now have been members of this church since it's been at this location. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I- Are you I believe, staff? No. I'm, just... I'm not a church staff person. I mean, hardcore because you're too much of a fucking, sorry. You're too much of a maverick, though. You're just like, bro, I'm too big than the staff, bro. I find myself feeling, and and when I feel, I always have to check that. But I find myself feeling that if and when God calls me to be on a church staff, the church that I'm on staff for will be a very progressive church. Not progressive mm. just on what they say on the platform, but progressive in their actions, in their attitudes, and in their real. leadership. Yeah. And so, and this is not to shame anyone or 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 speak harshly of any church that's not doing what I believe God's calling me to, but I am an unapologetic Christian, there right? And if I see things in people that I can call out with love and truth, then I'm going to do that. And I do that in my ministry, you know, and it's not because I feel like I'm better than anyone. I'm here to tell you that life is hard. Life is challenging. It's going to hand everyone their cancerous situation. And what you do with that situation is where you are really defining your faith with God. And I just want you to show me where your faith with God lies. I want you to to know how to do that confidently and don't do it by your mama's measurements, your auntie's measurements or your granddaddy's measurements, right? You got to do it by your own measurements. And I want to help you get there. And I want to be on a church staff that is saying, we are 
faithfully discipling people to the truth of who God designed these people to be, not to the 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 kegs and the and like the corks and the wheel that we want them to be, and how we want them to say, "I'm not going to polish my message so you can feel good." Exactly, and and you know what? And that's again, it's not, and it's that very clear, like having to make sure humble, very very humble. It's not us; we are just the vessel. It is not the actual container; it's what's inside the container. Mm-hmm. But that you. Again, hey, you're Batman, dude. You can be on the Justice League. You do stuff, but you just you work better solo. And you got your own path and you got your own way of going about it. And so I don't work solo. Of course. <laughs> um, I do I'm have a squad. So yeah, I have a team, right? And I think that that is one thing that I've always understood about good leadership. And this is from work, right? Like just all of my life experiences got me to a point of understanding that good leadership always has a team. You can't do anything good by yourself. That's how my ministry was birthed, where I understood, oh, I need some people to come alongside of me and help me and see what God was doing with that. And then selecting people or people have self-selected to be part of the team and have have watched me on my good days, my bad days. And I'm I'm not going to lie to you, my bad days kind of look like today, right? Where I'm having to talk myself through where I've been through to Mm. where I am to remind myself that this is not a bad day. (laughs) Yeah, no, we've had bad days historically, we know. Yeah, yeah. But today was a bad day? Wow. In the sense of like, I wake up, I don't feel well, there's there's ailments in my body, right? Things don't necessarily, you don't get out of the house on time, right? All these things pile up in your mind, you're like, this is a bad day. And then you're like, oh no, it actually wasn't. I hope this is revitalizing a little bit. I hope I'm, oh, it's I'm revitalizing. Absolutely. Community, right? So, Being intentional so with people that are are seeing you for who you are and not trying to put you in a box and understand how far, how high, how wide, whatever the depths are of who a person is. Right. And being accepted for those things is life-giving, by no means life-taking. And bro, that's why I'm saying you don't need to be on a church staff because like, what you're doing is like, I think churches are needed and important and they have that community, but like, you are right. And I need to be more confident in those kind of controversial answers. It's like you go to where you're getting fed and if you're not getting fed somewhere, you don't have to, it's a good idea to serve, but like, you know, it's, you can be more in tune with it, I guess is what I'm saying. But like, man, so you got to LA, you found the perfect church. When did you eventually pick up this life coaching? Wait, it would have been, yeah. When did you pick up life coaching? 2015. Like officially went for training and did all the, the things you're supposed to do for an a, a industry that's not actually regulated, right? I did. I did. I, I studied why people do things the way they do things. Why why people hire coaches, right? What are they really looking for? And I also studied like how to build a program and how to do all the technical pieces of a business model. And that's what I use my settlement for, right? Mm. I didn't buy a house. I didn't, I educated myself on, on how to, how to help people move the needle. That dude, that was your second win where like, you're like, I didn't, I didn't get the cash for this, but you got you invested this money. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Now that I know about you life coaching, 
is it lucrative or have you found you've been able to sustain your life and for the expensive ass rent on it? So what I, what I will say is that I, I never try to jump in front of God, right? Well, now I don't, but when yeah. I did this, um, I really tried to, to lead surrender to God in the, the aspirations of being a life coach. But that also meant I wasn't looking at a dollar sign, right? I was looking at how to use my services in a way that could edify the kingdom. Right. I just know that you also have a son. And like, I do bring home the bacon. That's right. Pay for your so I work, I work full-time job okay. to sustain me so that I don't ever want to have to tell someone I can't work with you because you don't have the money to get a service that you need, because I understand that my biggest source of income and survival comes from God. Mm. I don't, I don't fear that I'm going to, you're not taking a meal out of my son's mouth. You're not taking the light that I should be turning on off. Right. So it's a mindset. I tie the money that I make. So that is also a spiritual exchange. That's a, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a thing people need to talk more about because like we when we've been doing it, oh, we've just get nothing but blessings. We've right. not it's, done it in a minute and I can see the you blessings. You can feel it. Yep. You can feel I it. I see them drying up. And so I will say that in the very beginning when I, so when I went, took courses to life coach, you have to do a certain amount of hours before they like can vouch for you, right? So I did like a thousand and you got to do them free. So like I did okay. like a thousand hours. Um, for free coaching so that I can hone my skill. And then this lovely young man, I wanted to do an internship at my church. And okay. so he paid me for coaching because my ex-husband wouldn't allow me to pay for the internship okay. out of our house money. So when he paid me, I had him pay it straight to the church <laughs> so that I could go. And um, there are times when I'm picking up clients and they're paying me with like, we're going out to eat, right? Or that's all they can handle. Like, I'm going out to eat. You can come here with me and eat. And there's sometimes when people pay me, like I got one person to pay me $5,000, right? To coach them for like six weeks. And it was wow. amazing. Wow. And in that, I was I was blown away. And I was like, man, this, this must be for God. Like, this must be what God wants me to do. But all the skills that I learned through coaching, I use in every aspect of my life. And so for my career, what I do day to day is I am a community builder, right? I'm a community specialist. And what that really means is that I can go into any community, get to know who they are, what they do, and then find the, the holes in the colander, right? And see how we can bring that down to being a sister, bring that down to being a cheesecloth and and build services and programs to help support them. And that's what I do intrinsically, right? Like that's in in the ethos of Chris, how God designed me. And it kind of leads more and that do you great segue, great segue into like the main thing you do. How did you come up with this Hawaiian ministry right i'm trying to like like what do you call that experience that retreat like yeah it's called grace for generation okay okay so uh grace in the bible is represented by the number five and okay. what i was realizing in my life leading up to the cultivation of this was god kept speaking to me in five everything the first trip that we did was five thousand uh, fifty thousand dollars right right for the whole group to go and there were 
just so many things around the number five that I can't even list for you right now. But it was so evident to me that God kept telling me my grace is sufficient, Chris. And so it first started out when we went in 2022 and it was called chrysalis because I didn't know what God was doing. So we were in a cocoon, right? It was chrysalis, but we did a play on the spelling because my name is Chris, K-R-Y-S. So we spelled chrysalis with the K. And the year before that happened, I was in Hawaii with my mom, my sister, my brother-in-law and our kids. And I was hosting one of my... um, leadership program with the Art of Sisterhood Ministry, which is my my women's ministry. And um, the women kept saying, man, Chris, like, I can't wait to go to Hawaii. I want, I've always wanted to go, da, 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 da. And God was like, you're going to bring women to Hawaii. And I was like, that's cute. Okay, whatever. And then we were on another call and God said it again, but he said it louder. And it's not that God was being rude, but he was asserting himself. <laughs> Especially with around the time that happened, because you said this was like 22. And like your like diagnosis, there was like your yeah. first one was just like happening. It's incredible that real pinpoint question. So mm-hmm. the, the the woman's ministry you're talking about, that was something you've done on your like your own time and volition that you're at that church, but that's not something the church is sponsoring that you do. Correct. Absolutely. And were you able to get a lot of like women? under this ministry from okay. that church so this is god's humor and mystery i i was only allowed to invite five women from my church per god's instruction okay. um in 2020 when we started this and he said tell each of your friends to invite a friend and i will grow it you build it up you know you build it you do the work i'll grow it right. and that's what i've done i have i have yet to actually invite anyone else outside of those first five women to this ministry that has over a hundred women. Yeah. And so then grace for generations was birthed out of that ministry. Right. So this is a, a, a retreat that we take to Hawaii and we are on the big Island for, I think it's seven days. Lorian is so good with the days and the this and the that. Uh, we leave the Tuesday after Easter and we come back the following Tuesday and it gets you this, these moments, in community because I'm big on community healing you. And then we get these moments one-on-one and then we get Hawaiian experiences that if you do it right, and when I say do it right, I mean surrender and let go of some stuff, do do it right. (laughs) You will come back refreshed. We plan everything for you. It takes about seven weeks lead up that we meet with the group before we leave. So we're meeting on Zoom every week. Um, We're talking about very poignant things that's specific to this group that's going. Um, God God gives so much insight to our leadership team on what is needed and how to meet people where they are. And then when we arrive, it's already like we're family. Everyone knows each other. That shows up, right? The biggest thing that God asks us to do is show up. After you say yes, you got to show up. And so, yeah, that's what that's like. Oh, the five, because I'm, I'm trying to imagine it, because like, first off, that sounds incredible, like a whole, and we'll go right back to that spiritual healing, that spiritual need for feds. Like, hey, look, you took, again, five women, and it depends on, you know, what you want out of it. You have to do it the right way, but mm-hmm. how she mentioned, again, her soul was replenished, and that sounds just like breathtaking, and like it, I kind of want to know more about the ministry, I guess, more about Grace for Generations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
is there anybody on the actual property? Is that like, is it with other people or like, is there, who, who comes up with the plan as far as like that day to day seven week <laughs> thing? Like, like how, who's conducting this glorious madness train? Like, so God is the conductor. Okay. Yeah. Um, what, what happens is at this retreat space, shout out to Hawaiian Island retreat center. Um, usually what seems to be happening for us is that God really blocks the, the space off for us. Mm. um there's occasionally a family or two that pop in or um for a day or two but there's usually for the whole time that we're there it's us and so what the the curriculum is basically what you're asking i think right the curriculum looks like we're gonna smother you in community until you're uncomfortable right um because it's not until you get uncomfortable that we can see where where your lack is for god Right. And so then once we get you completely uncomfortable, and that's hopefully what we're really doing in the seven week lead up so that while we're there, it's like the first two days, you're still trying to adjust to the face to face interaction. And then by day three, because like I told you, I love me a good third day story. (laughs) Jesus does too. Three is a cool number. It's a cool number. Um, On that third day, uh, you see a pivot happening in the plan and the structure um, where God is leading and what he's saying. And because we we meet for breakfast, we meet for lunch, we meet for dinner, there's these conversations that become more richer, more fuller. And then we have these small breakout groups. And then we have this intention, intentional recreation time. Okay. It's not just like, oh, break, and then just go and do your own thing. It's like, okay, now we're going to all go and hang out at the pool, right? Yeah, go ahead, go underwater. I'm not going to talk to you when you're in the pool, right? Like about, there's not a, structured conversation but there is structured we're in this together for sure right and so that's what it looks like it, it and then when it's your time to be on your own our hope and our prayer is that you're sit, sitting and lamenting like jesus did right your time in the uh, garden right and, and what a garden to be what in. a garden just 50 acres of unpolluted land oh, um man. the they take such good care of their property that um it's it's green right and and the dew like you read about dew but it's just beautiful to watch it come up off of the ground and and water the plants and um the greenery it's it's so many I didn't even know there were so many shades of green (laughs) isn't beautiful that yeah like that that, I get the thought it's very difficult to explain that like it's like this greener is greener than that green Mm because green <laughs> right it's green 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 aqua green maroon green like all the greens Chartreuse. and yeah i don't even know if that's a green i just but whatever it, it just sounds beautiful and and we're we're on a cliff so to speak right so we're overlooking the ocean i saw some pictures and for everyone listening uh i have a facebook group i'm trying to social media is hard let's just say that from one business person to another it it man yeah. to to sh- we call it shilling that's what the the term is when you're just trying to be like hey please support my ministry so to speak you know mm-hmm. whatever but uh okay how many people go on this okay like, so the first year we had that's... 17 people go all right um but that was in so i want to be very clear the first trip which was chrysalis there were 12 women from ministry who went who were my ministry leaders 
Okay. I will call them our founding members of Grace for Generation. I love it. Like if right? if if you if you weren't a follower of God, you'd li- literally be a coven of witches. Like that's just, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. But uh, thank God you're on our side. So yeah, I'm on your thanks. side. I'm playing for the winning team. Um, alongside those twelve women came my ex-husband, okay. my mother, my brother-in-law, which is my brother-in-love. I love him so much. Um, my sister and my niece. Okay. And this is where the generations part of Grace for Generations came to play because I got to watch my niece and my son, who are nine years apart, find a new love for Hawaii, even though we were in Hawaii the year before. We were on a different island. So they now have been to two different islands in Hawaii and they're not even 20 years old. <laughs> Lucky. Lucky. Um, but I got to watch that and I got to see how even though my ex-husband and I are not together, there was a restoration in our family unit on us being able to take, that was our first family trip outside Damn. of like going back home. And honestly, like my son and I would travel a lot, but us all three together was never a thing, right. you know, um, it'd be him and Maven or me and Maven. And so it was very beautiful to have God give us that gift of all three of us traveling together. And then it was the leadership um, of, a part of our leadership team of Art of Sisterhood that checked in. So while we were there, we we really, foundation is important, right? And so we really set a foundational work on what it looked like to spend time with God without our cell phones, because there's like, that's not happening. And there's no TV, that's not happening, yeah. right? And, and how to, a group of women that thought we were extremely close got to realize very quickly, um, we only know each other superficially let's go a little bit deeper and actually came out on the other side stronger. And again, I told you my number was five for Grace for Generations launch and that trip taking off, only five of those women returned. And kind of like, though, dude, those are your disciples. Well, those are your disciples. They're like, mm-hmm. hey, they're like that came back. Do any of the other women, I mean, have any of the other ones reached out to you or saw how successful this one is and reached out to you? Yeah, I think so. So one thing is that the women that that returned to go back for Grace for Generations, the way that it grew, this is the struggle of an entrepreneurial business uh, and ministry, right? Is how do you grow something? God didn't tell me to promote it like crazy. So it was really each person told someone and then people came and we wound up at 17 again. So this trip this year was 17, right? Mm-hmm. It was because I know it was uh, Lorianne and Pish, mm-hmm. and then of all of your family, who were the ones that came back for this trip? Only my son and my mother. Mm, okay, because I saw another. It looked like another family there. So okay, so she she's she's my family by like proxy, not not prox, proxy, but like we spend time together. And here where we live, we live in a communal building, so everything okay. is communal, and so. In the house you're in right now? Yeah, in the in the apartment that I live. So she's okay. my neighbor. Oh. Okay. And she has become like family to my son and I. She we are very the three of us are very in tandem to do things. We take care of each other. That's so beautiful. it's kinda like his grandma too. You got mm-hmm. commu- again, you got community. You got family. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. Well, man, okay. <sighs> All right. So and that's why I'm asking, because like this sounds amazing. And I I, I was right. I was a hundred and seventy percent right that 
I, if I went on this trip, I'd be with a close family. Again, the, your family was even family, family, but it made it even more family, 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 regardless. I think the next trip sounds amazing. I absolutely want to be a part of it. And the best part is, like you said, it it's community. You have dinner together. You get to soak up nature. You have no electricity, technology. Everything's paid for. You said you essentially you buy airfare and everything else is taken care of. So what you no. So what you do is you you write a check, swipe your card for six thousand dollars, and drive yourself to the airport or have your besties drop you off at the airport. And all of your logistics, your food, your excursions, your activities are all paid for. Your transportation from getting on the airplane, getting to Hawaii, doing all the things, and then coming back. We do an outreach while we're in Hawaii, which is really cool. For those of you that don't know that church phrase, outreach, what I mean is that we go into the community and we're a blessing to to um, a small business there. And we really believe in taking care of people, right? Like, I don't want a business that we frequent to go out of business. So every every place that we go, there's a personal relationship or personal story connected to why we're going to where we're going and how they believe in what we're doing as much as we believe in what they're doing. And you get to partake in that and get to talk to the owners of the establishments most of the time. This or is a shaved ice place, right? Yes. But so it's also the retreat space, right? Like there's a there's a history with the owner and I about the retreat space. And yeah, the shaved ice place. Shout out to Hope. Like it's Hope, just shout cool. out to Hope yeah, if you're listening. Shout out to Hope, yeah. I will see you eventually. You will Wink. see. You will see. You will see. Yeah. Yes. So that's the magic number. So it's that's the price for admission is if you can pony up the six thousand, mm-hmm. everything is covered. And I mean, I never planned a Hawaiian trip. Hawaii, yeah, Hawaiian trip before. But I mean, lodging. It, I saw the food. That looked like really, really good food. Okay, let's and talk like, about farm to table food. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's talk about it. All right. She's what got about eating goats. first night. She's got goats and she's milking her goats. She got goat cheese, right? She she's fresh goat cheese. Um, which she made us again because I'm it went so lie, fast. Straight up doesn't sound I like I always think like goat cheese and milk's weird. Oh, it's but so like, good. With berries uh, and jam. Just, just um Well, you know, I'm now on a on a cancer free diet, so I'm trying to get cancer free. Um, but <laughs> there you go. She she does do a lot. There, if you're a big meat eater, that's yeah. going to be your biggest challenge. Oh, I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. Um, that is the problem. I, I love, oh, I love meat. Yeah. So, so she's probably not going to cook a bunch of meat. We had fish one okay. night. We had chicken one night, but that's not the staple. We eat a lot of eggs, uh, beans, uh, lentils we had. We also had, um, was, uh, she made these black bean patties, which I loved. But here's the thing. If you think about eating as an activity, this is not the activity for you. <laughs> hey, that's that's valid. Some right? people eat to live and some people live to eat. It's... Yeah. If you're going for a spiritual rest and rejuvenation and you understand that what you're really trying to consume is the presence of God and everything else is just, you know, little knickknacks here and there then it's great. And I'm not going to tell you that we don't go and eat trash food when we leave the retreat space. Because I was low-key asking is, bro, I want to like, did no one say anything about spam? Do we go so we So I have purchased on this trip probably 30 masubis. 
just a delicious because, back, dude. yeah and so for those who don't know masubi masubi is the spam the rice and the, the uh, wrapped, seaweed, in seaweed. wrapped in seaweed and that's just a bunch of deliciousness and don't worry we we got you <laughs> it's it, it's just oh, the rice is fluffy but it's, so like, it's fluffy. spongy and like i don't know how they do spam there but like the place i go to they put a little like teriyaki barbecue sauce on it fry it up it's like it just tastes like a good fried hot dog yeah instead of canned meat yeah which is what it is we get we get that experience um okay. we also so we also like i'm a cultural person um so i want you to get the hawaiian culture Right. And so my 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 dream always is to God, please weave in Hawaiian experiences so that people can say they ate Hawaiian food so they can say they had something really Hawaiian about it. That's off of the retreat space. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Man, it's it sounds great. And then the fact, OK, I will ask this. So you said you guys talk about for seven weeks to kind of lock in it, which makes sense mm -hmm. because it's like you want to you would hope if you're dropping that kind of Skrilla. And you're gonna be hanging out, no TV, nothing to like prevent the people. Like, I don't like Becky. Becky's got a bad <laughs> attitude. I'm just gonna ignore her on the trip. Yo, you're gonna eventually deal with Becky. It's... So the Becky that annoys you is a part of you that is unresolved, mm. right? And so as a life coach, I can, I can sit back and watch you go to your end on Becky, and then bring you back to your beginning of why she is the problem. Right. Right. So I think the beauty of Grace for Generations, and this is this goes back to my coaching, is that I also offered every single person that came free coaching. If you want it, you can mm -hmm. have it. Right. Like call people me. People are let's like do it. fighting you for like it's like I she needs to work through my trauma first. No me. Like come on. Like how, mm -hmm. how does that work? Like, so I do it one on one, so no one ever knows who I'm working with when ooh, I'm working with them. Okay. Right. And so. For some people That's that cool. didn't sign up for the coaching before we left, I found myself coaching them while we were there. But the opportunity to have a safe place to unload so that you can really have the God moment, right? right? So you need somewhere where you can dump all your trash so you can go back. And that is the whole intent, right? So for seven weeks, you can say, okay, yeah, Chris, I want to sign up for the coaching as well outside of the larger group. Can we set a time that this belongs to me? And every week we're meeting and, and talking about where you already are stuck spiritually so that by the time you arrive here, you're like, ooh, I can't even imagine what God's going to do because I've already done this. Yeah, man, exactly. You actually get to enjoy like the true like fruits of the spirit without anything holding you back, like reminding you that cheeseburger you ate or just right. like, again, just it's that pure taste. So, okay. I mean, it sounds great. It does sound like a lot, but to be honest, I mean, like, I think it's a great place. Something. Well, go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something um, because we are we are consumers ultimately, oh, right? Yeah, ultimately. In, in, in this in this culture, and what I hated the most when I was going through coaching school is that people would say, "Well, if you buy a cup of coffee every day, just don't buy your coffee and spend it here." I want to encourage you to please buy the coffee. Right. I want you to buy your cup of coffee. And when you drink that coffee, I want you to take that time and spend with God and ask him, mm. where do I spend my money? Where can I find a place that you can multiply if I'm supposed to go on this trip? What do I have to sacrifice and what don't I? Because I don't drink coffee, but I, I watch my sister. And when she joneses, she joneses. 
I'm not taking her coffee from her to go to Hawaii, you know, or for the next thing that she wants. But I know that God makes room. That's true. If it's meant to be, it's truly meant to be. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine if either people like have trauma or celebrating freedom from trauma or are struggling with trauma, that trip literally sounds like the medicine. And I mean, hey, you know what? It You have the time and the weeks to figure out, is this truly for me? I think that's mm-hmm. smart. And that's it's but I, I've seen it. I've talked to it. People said it's it's a game changer. And I if anyone is mildly interested, we're going to give you some time to plug uh, just your, your website, how people can contact you. Do you still coach? If someone was interested in coaching yes. lessons, they can get, reach out to you? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I do everything on one website. It's K-R-Y-S G-R-A-N-T Grant Ray R-A-Y Okay. Chris, Chris Grant, Grant Ray, Ray. Dot com. Com, baby. That's all you need. <laughs> We'll and we'll make sure we advertise the website. And I mean, I, quick summary. I mean, the fact like if you haven't already fallen in love with this woman, like you're you're you fell asleep, or you <laughs> need to go to the doctor or Jesus really because your heart is dead, your soul is dead. This the I'm just amazed. I mean, granted, you're you're really talking about a lot of victories from like a long amount of time and a lot of you're you're fighting. You were in the the trenches, but just the the strength and the bravery and watching you rise and succeed despite all these zigs when you zag, it's inspiring. And I think if anybody's struggling with that, anybody, especially for somebody who knows like you know what the end looks like. You've done the attempts. You I'll ask the question and it's it, I think it's it's a good call to alter. Do you think God, if someone is truly struggling with something and they've tried everything or they're a little unsure about trying, what, what, what what's your suggestion for, 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 for God? Try Jesus. <laughs> um, no, here's, here's the truth. The truth for me, and I think it's for you as well, is that you've been wearing a set of eyes that don't suit you. So I encourage you to close your eyes and ask God to show you something different. I did that. I saw a blue chair. I don't know. It was just, it was some blue and gray and I'll, I I need more time and not on live podcast. When you take that time, every time you feel defeated, because that's what it is, right? It's, it's, it's It's a level of defeat or a lack right? Lack of confidence, lack of self-worth, lack of self-love, lack of self-awareness, false sense of self. You just take a moment, close your eyes, and ask God what he's saying in that moment, and stay, keep your eyes closed until you hear it. Now God knows where you're ready to receive it. Hmm. That, that, that's, that's a bumper sticker or a t-shirt at Rhyme. That was, that was a, that was a Christian rap song if I ever heard of it. I think that God is very intentional on when you say yes. He does not want to push himself on you. I don't want to push him on you. I want to continue to invite you into his story. Mm. I want to continue to invite you into his love, into his community, into his presence, into his unconditional, undying, sacrificial love for you. 
personally. And if you don't know what it's like, call me, text me, email me. We can talk about it because I don't, I don't have a price tag attached to your salvation because I can't save you. But I have an investment in your salvation. I have an investment in your well-being. And that investment is love. Like I love you before I know you. I'm praying for you already. I've been praying for this podcast. I've been praying for Tristan, for his home, for his family. Like I pray that when you hear these words, you don't just think, oh God, another Christian, because I'm telling you, oh God, I'm not. That's the secret. Amen. Amen. Everything you're saying. It's there are places for church staff in churches, but then there's also dirty fishermen, just like us. Dirty gambling. Uh, you ever see the show The Chosen? Mm-hmm. Okay, if you take anything from this podcast, watch The Chosen. You will be like, it is so good, and we'll 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 text and okay. we'll, we'll nerd out about this. But I gotta go back to your website one more mm-hmm. time for everybody. Your website. It's uh, Chris K R Y S Grant C R A N T Ray R A Y dot com. ChrisGrantRay.com. You can see her services, how to contact her. Is your uh, YouTube channel on here as well? Or it's probably somewhere buried in there. Okay. Because, you, dude, you got some real gold on that channel. I was just going on there, and I was like, hey, this, absolutely. This is like, man, it's TikTok. That's the secret. That's how you're going to get like a gajillion followers is like the that, that social media little... I don't know. We'll talk later about it. But sincerely, I I always say this to my guests, but I extra mean this this time. Like they were my favorite, but you're actually my favorite. So like, just, <laughs> just you know, I'm going to tell the next person that. But that's, you know, what you said was beautiful and it was the truth. And I don't feel like, oh, I don't deserve it or I rejected it. I got to receive it and say, absolutely right. Yeah. And just gotta give it to god like people people are gonna get really upset at this episode probably it's like this one's really like really jesus heavy but man that's just that's a secret and every time i like i stop and surrender like it's that's when the good starts happening granted the hard stuff keeps going but like thank you for this conversation i i pray for anybody that's actually genuinely listening to this episode you reach out to her if something something in her story is like bro i want to talk to her about this she doesn't have a price tag she she, you know she maybe treat out to like she's in la most of the people listening are either in sacramento or maybe portland or hopefully we get some new listeners from your side whatever but uh yeah check her out she's i mean again if you haven't fallen in love with her already she is a lovely lovely woman and and chris i i have to say i have sincerely enjoy this episode like god bless you and thank you for just being open with me thank you well thank you for having me i'm very honored to share my story um and spend spend a sunday afternoon with you um uh for those who are super religious today is um pentecost sunday uh and so the beauty of pentecost is that that is when the holy spirit had an outpouring right in the book of acts and um, God, God made himself available to individuals um, in an individual way to set your heart on fire. 
And so I pray that today's blessing of you listening is the heart of God's desire that Pentecost happened. You know, um, it, it was Jesus heavy because a lot of things that you're going to consume aren't. That's, that's the most realist thing we said on this entire cast was right there. It's there's, there's no way away escaping it is this is probably the most you're going to get. And it's important. I mean, it is, I, if it was important to me. And if, if, even if like we get one person that listens to this though, which we won't a good chunk of people are going to like this episode. It's just, yeah, this was awesome. And dude, this is not the last time. Like we are doing another one later. Like Let's I want to see your journey. We're going to, we're going to watch, we're going to watch it together. And I, I don't know. I, uh, I invite you to be a part of my journey and I invite every single one of your listeners to, to um, ask the tough questions because I'm here to say the things that I don't have the right answers, but I might have an answer. Right. And, and it always, yes, I'm going to find some way to point it back to God because that's who I am. But the truth is, is if you, if you get fed that enough, that's all you're going to desire to eat right? That's why a baby only wants its mother's milk because that's all she's offering. Exactly. Exactly. It's, oof, man, this was, I, this is going to be a great episode. I already know some people are going to be super amped in the message you and we'll talk after this because I, um, I, I'm straight, I'm, I'm looking into your services. This is like, like, this is, is it just toward women or can, if, if men need to reach out, that's okay too. It is. Okay. So the funny thing is that I actually started out only coaching men. Right. And then through my coaching and my ministry, which is fairly women focused, God was healing me in the area of how women treat women. Right. And so it's just like for everyone, because we're all human, having a human experience, who we how we identify is something different. And God will 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 meet us where we are with that. I am not leaving anyone out of this i'm inclusive which is i okay so yeah you heard her folks whether you're um a he or her or they them that's um i don't want to get too much in that topic but like can if someone is dealing with if they are trans they're not dealing Absolutely. but they are that's if, right. this is i'm led by love and i love you no matter what your journey looks like will you call them by their pronouns i will call you by name? whatever you would like to be called all right. You heard it here, folks. There is no hate in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Great. <laughs> oh, I, man, I don't even know how to end this because this was just, uh, this was just awesome. Sincerely. Like this, this was great. And I, I almost, you hear it. Like, I, I don't want it, but the, the, the bell it's ringing. That's the good, the goodbye bell. We're, we're just ding. ding. <laughs> I, the train's coming. So I, when I was younger and we would end church, the the um the song that the pastor would sing would be peace be with you right it would be okay. it would it'd be a blessing um basically Let's do it well i'm not gonna sing it because i'm gonna say no no nope. you, you but, don't um... understand this is the cast like we'll do awkward singing just teach me a stanza no. and we'll do it together no i'm Come just on. going to say this i'm not gonna sing but i'm gonna i'm going to say a blessing over you that god's peace be with you his joy be with you and his love be with you, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, just know that that's the one thing you can count on consistently forever. Amen. We call that a benediction at our church. It's that's, that's, that's the proclamation that's going to happen. 
And I think that's the lesson. We end we end on lessons too. You mm-hmm. take anything from this cast. I Jesus is the easier route, but just if you have questions or pain, reach out mm-hmm. and invite that conflict. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's thank you for being what I like to call an ordinary person with extraordinary story, Chris. We will sincerely talk more later. But just God bless you. And I, hey, see you in Hawaii next year. See you in Hawaii. See you, man. All right. Can't wait. All right. Until then, I'm Tristan and this is Chris. And this has been another ordinary person with extraordinary story. Good night. Good night. Okay. We can just like cut that off. That's perfect. Thank you yet again for listening to another episode of Ordinary People, Extraordinary Stories. If you happen to know someone or believe you yourself have an extraordinary story to tell, shoot me an email at opespodcast at gmail.com. That's opes, just like the podcast, O-P-E-S, podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to have you on. Thank you so much again, and stay safe out there.